It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. So where's the office back at Division? In the office, baby. Going up. Sorry about that start. We have Matt in the two chair. He should be in the one chair so he can control his mic. Jay Lou, are you there? <laughs> yeah, we're good to go. Welcome in, everybody. Rothman and Ice here on 97.1. The fan will get Matty going up here and in just a little bit. Uh, great to be in for AR and uh, glad to be with you on a Friday pack show for you today. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, coming up at 1230, we've got Stephen Means, who covers uh, Ohio State basketball and football for Cleveland.com, 133. We'll be Brendan Deeg, NFL writer for the National Football Post. Good little Buckeye Bulletin for you, obviously. Uh, the national uh, name, image, and likeness uh, issues now as we've basically gotten into our first 24 to 48 hours of what this is going to look like and already seeing some big names, not only in college football, but basically in a lot of different collegiate sports already capitalizing on it. So uh, we'll dive into the Ohio State impact. We'll take a little deeper dive as well and look at uh, a couple of different things. Uh, most notably, when you, I think one of the great parts – uh, about sports and and particularly the NFL uh, are those second years those sophomore campaigns where you look at all right who are the guys that we thought in year one could have been really stand out maybe yeah. they uh, you know we're not a, as um, uh, well attuned because of injuries uh, most notably we'll look at the Bengals uh, and their offensive coordinator and and how they're planning to deploy uh, that new wide receiver core with Jamar Chase. We're yeah. hoping a healthy Joe Burrow, Maddie, and then uh, obviously a little chin music with yours truly. Since I'm on the show, why not? We'll do it in our normal posts. So uh, great to be with you, buddy. Excited to get this thing rolling with you. Oh, man. I enjoyed listening to you because obviously no one could hear me because here <laughs> in the studio, I am sitting in my normal chair. So I'm still over here kind of in the two chair, if you will. And yeah. I just turn on my mic and I'm expected to be ready to go just like every the other day didn't think that i had to go over to the other side to actually turn the actual mic on mics on <laughs> in this studio so rookie mistake by me we were in oh, you're fr- good we were in first and 15 there but you got us right back in the good down <laughs> in distance j lou happy friday to you happy friday to everyone listening thank you for laying out what we've got going on it'll be a fun show for us on a holiday weekend i know a lot of people are out and about so thanks for your time how are you man i feel like i haven't talked to you much outside of our session Segments. What's going on? You doing all right up there? Yeah, everything is good, buddy. Uh, I know we'll talk a little uh, about the All-Star game and, and certainly your Reds uh, getting two of the big ones on the National League side with Castellanos and Winker, and, and deservedly so. Yeah. I mean, uh, they've been incredible uh, the first half of this season. Uh, I'm, I'm holding out hope that uh, a Wink might even consider doing the home run derby because I think there at Coors Field, he would be one of the dark horse guys <laughs> knowing it's a short porch to right, and he's got those majestic, almost Jock Peterson-esque. You remember when Jock did it here <laughs> yeah. in Cleveland, yeah. and uh, we had uh, a couple of uh, severe thunderstorm warnings after his first round because of all the uh, all the rain he was bringing down. But anyway. Um, I, I know that we're we're going to cover a myriad of topics. I, I, you and I haven't had a chance to talk since 
this name, image, and likeness uh, issue, not only in, in Ohio State's effects uh, and, and what's happened in the Ohio legislature, but I know Chops and I uh, last week were kind of getting into you know the impact. And of course, recruiting is one thing. That's something that you look at as Ohio State football being such a destination uh, spot for top recruits. We know that JTT, uh, at least as of last week, had turned down Alabama's visit. So mm-hmm. uh, we were excited to break that news on the show. And, and even more so, I think Ohio State fans uh, felt better that Nick Saban wasn't going to be able to sink his teeth in because right. we know he he don't let anybody come up from air. <laughs> yeah. If he's got the last gasp, then he's he's chomping down and that's going to be it. But yeah, buddy, I, I want to just, because I know you and AR have, have dug into it a little bit, just your thoughts too, because I'm, I'm looking at it and I want to go back to my recruiting because I think that's an interesting portion of it where... You know, you had to be so mindful of your P's and Q's about tickets and meals mm-hmm. and, and everything had to be on the up and up. And now, and I know we'll get into the Reggie Bush portion of this and how he thinks he needs to have his records and his highs been reinstated, which I think there's a fantastic argument for that. But I, this is a game changer. I tweeted that out. I think it's a game changer. Yeah. And, and it really is going to put you know, institutions in a position to become not that they're not full fledged businesses right now, Maddie, but this is a whole different level. Yeah. I mean, they, we're, we're talking billions, <laughs> right? Billions on billions that they're going to be able to use and manipulate guys and girls to be able to come to their specific schools. No doubt, man. And it's a ton to unpack. And J. Lou, I said it yesterday on the show. I said, I don't know if I fully wrapped my mind around what's coming at us as far as what the dollars are going to look like for Mm -hmm. some of these student athletes. And you've seen over the last 24 to 48 hours, all of these different opportunities, whether it's female athletes or some of the male athletes uh, around these colleges. Everybody's going to have a chance, whether Mm -hmm. it's a big portion of the pie, a small portion of the pie. These guys and gals now have an opportunity to really do something, obviously, that we've never seen before. And I think it's great. I think it's overdue. We talked for years about the amount of money that these programs, these coaches have made, and the guys that are suiting up week in and week out that are really getting everybody to their couches and to their TVs and inside of the stadiums, they really haven't been rewarded that much. I know there's a lot that comes with being a part of big-time programs, or even if you're at a mid-major program, there's some good that can come with it, a lot of good that can come with it, but the dollar signs were just too big, man. They were too big to not allow these athletes to get anything. And I think for me, J. Lou, I'm kind of past kind of the shock a little bit now. My My mind has gone to... How these athletes are going to handle it. Because I went back and thought when I was 18 to 22 years old and I couldn't wrap my mind around going to the mall on a Saturday afternoon (laughs) and making $40,000 for signing a jersey (laughs) or a picture. And that's where we are now. And look, it's going to be more money than that. Some of the numbers that have been thrown out already have been... Kind of wild to me, but there's two parts of that to me that I think are going to be very important. In the same way last year, we talked about the responsibility of all these athletes handling COVID. They got to do their part outside of the building. Well, they're going to have to learn to have to deal with some big time money fairly quickly. And how do you manage that on a weekly basis? I think is going to be interesting. And also the risks that companies are going Mm. to take with attaching these athletes to their brand and what that could do for them. Once we get down those roads, J. Lou, because we know there's going to be a couple hiccups. There's going to be a couple guys out there that are going to do something that they shouldn't be doing. But now it's about, I can't wait to see how these dudes handle it. I, 
I I love that you brought up you know the the youth portion of this and and I think I, you mentioned how to to handle COVID and, and Ryan Day uh, was so great at at being yeah. able to to really impart upon his guys what it meant and and a, and a a single individual decision affected you know two hundred two hundred and fifty people. And and to be able to impart that from day one onto these kids, so they understood the magnitude of each decision. Hey, oh, I want to go, you know, pick up some takeout. Well, imagine who this is affecting. If who you come in contact, and, and again, I know now it's a little bit easier to look at and say, well, you know, we 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 were able to get through that, and and really with the least amount of, of issue. Although there were issues they had to overcome, but I think on the financial side now and. I remember when I was drafted uh, out of high school by the Indians, and it was my childhood dream team, and I'm like, I want to go pro. I want to go pro right now. Uh, I, I want to play for them. And I remember my parents saying, you're not ready. And and it's not that the talent isn't there. It's that you don't know how to live on your own yet. You don't have the time management, the discipline, the yep. financial literacy, the, the day-to-day survival skills yet. And and that'll be the fascinating uh, I think underlying narrative of, uh, of this, Maddie, is all of us come from different upbringings, right? We all right. come from different educational systems and support systems. Mm-hmm. And and what do these kids have as freshmen? I'm just thinking on the ground level, okay? Because we know, I'll use Ohio State football as examples, we know that the, the amount of five-star recruits that come in on campus are, are huge net. Let's take JTT, for example. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what's going to be thrown at this kid? <laughs> And we're not even talking about playbook yet. Right. We're not talking about class yet. We're talking about business opportunities that will be overwhelming to an 18-year-old. Yep. Because I'm, I remember being drafted out of college at Vanderbilt where I felt like I had a ton more <laughs> life experience and, and understanding of how the world works. That's only three years removed from graduating from high school and still looking at the possible numbers of signing bonus and you know getting to the big leagues really quickly. That's still a lot to process as a 21-year-old. Yeah. So imagine what these guys are going to face as 18-year-olds. I love that you brought up that point because I think that's a massive, massive part of, of what this is all going to unfold with. Another interesting angle to me, J. Lou, about this is you've been inside locker rooms. And you know, I'm sure, how some of the political games work inside locker rooms when money is a thing. Yes. And- Huge. The emotional stuff inside of a locker room where let's say player X is making 400K and player, and this guy is (laughs) getting a thousand dollars for the entire season. How was that managed inside of a locker room? That's interesting to me. You could speak to that more than I can, Mm -hmm. but. It's just something I've thought about because it's, we're humans, right? Not robots. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to have emotions and there's jealousy and all of that where this guy may think, hey, I deserve that spot or I deserve that endorsement or whatever their reasoning is. All of that stuff is going to have to be managed by players themselves, leaders in the locker room and coaches. Do you think part of that could be a negative when it comes to how some of these dudes are going to look around and saying, well, wait a minute. What about me? You nailed it. Uh, the 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 other part of this, which I think coaching staffs are frightened by, especially in college sports, is that the only other thing you really had to go off of probably was you know as a guy on a full ride, you know, as somebody on you know maybe a three quarter scholarship, as someone to walk on. That was that was the demarcation line, right? Where if if you're a stud recruit and maybe you got a full ride, and football is different because almost everyone gets a full ride. But baseball, for instance, where you had 11.7 scholarships to be able to spread around 
probably 30 kids. So if you give out one full ride, you're down to 10-7 for you know, the other 29 kids. So that was the one demarcation line. And that, that probably didn't set in as much as now you're going to look at a bank account and say, <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Dude, why are you even going to class? Oh, you're going to class so you can be eligible to be able to play in the game. Yeah. But you're already starting to get set up for life. Now, what am I doing? Now, the other part of that, Maddie, is it could be a motivating factor and say, okay, well, this guy's sitting next to me in his locker and he's got this. <laughs> well, then I need to get out there and I need to start busting my tail a little bit more. It, it could go, go both ways. Yeah. But I think you hit on something that is going to be a trigger point for a lot of places that I think head coaches around the country, and it doesn't matter football, bat, whatever sport. Because let's say you got a phenom tennis player mm-hmm. who's out there and 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 could be just you know the the talk of of the conference or the talk of the NCAA in that sport, and the rest of that team is like really yeah you know we're a team we're a team here so yeah. it is fascinating to see how this is going to work but man alive um, Reggie Bush I'm yeah. with you pal. I'm with you. I, you should get it all back, baby. I'm fully with him. I told CB. Jim Tressel. Jim Tressel, you should get everything back, my yes. man. I told <laughs> J. Lou, I told CB earlier today, I said, look, I want Mark Emmert to come out and re, you know, do the whole ceremony over again for Bingo. Reggie Bush. Give him yes. the Heisman Trophy <laughs> back because I fully agree with his tweet that he threw out there yesterday. And I'm paraphrasing here saying, you know, all of that stuff. Well, he was saying he didn't cheat the game, right? Like that's what he was alluding to. All of the stuff with received the impermissible benefits and all of that at USC. He wants us to lock in on what he was doing day in and day out on the field. And I totally respect that because I don't view Reggie Bush's situation as a PED or, you know, a performance enhancer. I just remember watching that dude absolutely go crazy in 2005 with 8.7 yards a carry and 16 touchdowns. But I am with Reggie Bush. I know there's some people on the other side of this thing, but I think now that they've peeled off this Band-Aid, they should go back and clean some of those things up. And I would have no issue at all if Reggie Bush can now get his Heisman Trophy back. Mm-hmm. I'll wrap it up with this because then we get to break. But man, that year watching <laughs> Texas from one part of the country, watching USC from one part of the it's one of the greatest years of college football you and I have been able to live no through question. and everyone else. And you were locked in yes. every single week. Not just because you knew they're going to win. Yeah. How much were they going to win by? How many total yards? It was nuts. Yeah. It, it was nuts. Superstar stuff going on between both of those guys for me, man. I don't I don't know if I've ever seen a more spectacular, I'm talking just highlight reel type mm-hmm. of season right. from a guy than what Reggie Bush did back in 2004, mainly in 2005. When we come back, we know about Dwayne Washington moving on. Who's ready to step up? One guy's on the record talking about his process, his progress throughout the summer. We'll talk about it next. Rothman and Nice with J. Lou in the building right here on The Fan. Man and Bone have a simple philosophy for their show. Talk some sports, have some laughs, and get very fat. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays at 3. The Fan. Smarter than your average sports show. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in. Happy Friday to you. Maddie Ice, J. Lou hanging out with you. We'll talk to Steven Means up next. Buckeye Hoops, Buckeye Football combo platter coming at you. J. Lou, the Dwayne Washington thing is pretty big news for us just a couple yeah. of days ago. Mm-hmm. He is going to continue to chase his dream, go on to the NBA. Could be, you know, the hot streak that he's been on currently with what he was able to do at the G League camp and at the Combine, or this is a guy that's been around for a while, right, and could just be done with the school part of it. And whether he makes it in the association or goes overseas, we obviously wish him well. But now 
that's brought a lot of focus back to what is the team going to look like next year? Because when you get EJ back and Dwayne, there were conversations out there. A lot of people thought this could be a top five team preseason ranking wise and easily top 10. And now without him in the mix, there's obviously questions there and guys are going to have to step up. And one of those guys that may be ready to step up is Michi Johnson. And he's been, been doing some work this summer. He's been over there with team USA, uh, J Lou, and I think obviously that's going to be very valuable for him, but he's a guy that we didn't see a ton from last year. And you just got to wonder what type of leap he's ready to make. I know he's been in the lab getting that stuff done, but there's no question when you lose a guy that can give you 16 points tonight in Dwayne Washington, that's a huge hole to fill. So you got some veteran guys with the return of Kyle Young back, which is obviously huge, but a guy like Michi Johnson now there to me, there may be a lot on his plate. There's other guys he's going to have to beat out for minutes and all of that. But he's a young guy that got here early last year, got some experience. That's very valuable. And I love that he did the Team USA thing this year. So we'll see what he's got, J-Lo. But he he probably is going to have to step up and be ready to go. Maybe not in a starter's role, but probably in a role to where significantly off the bench he's going to have to be a dude that's going to contribute. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of great things for Coach Holtman uh, in this camp and, and getting ready for the season because you do have uh, what Joey Brunk came over yep. uh, from Indiana to transfer. Uh, you lose C.J. Walker, obviously. You already talked about D-Dubs going in. This is this is what we've we're, we're used to encountering right in college basketball where some of your upperclassmen and, and some of your studs are going to leave. And then guys that didn't get the uh, the big time minutes will now find themselves uh, needing uh, to work big time in the off season and also in training camp. And they'll learn. There might be some growing pains. Uh, I think we can all agree that this is a conference that expects to be back as one of the toughest in all of Division One and the NCAA. So I, I love that uh, not only Michi but Zed Key also went. It, it's. I, 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 you know, I love the movie Top Gun, right? Yep. So you got you got Maverick and you got Goose, uh, who were number two to Cougar, and and Cougar and Merlin. Cougar lost it, turned in his wings, and these guys get a shot to go up against the best, and and it only brought out the best in them, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm not saying that Michi is is Tom Cruise and Maverick reincarnated, but it is that sort of escalation now where you lose a stud. You lose a couple of guys you've relied on for big-time minutes and big-time production, but you've got a guy that's got great talent uh, in Michi Johnson. You've got a great kid in Zed Key. Yeah. They're both young. They're both hungry, and I, I know that Coach Holman and the staff can use that and be able to mold them into two pieces that Ohio State can really rely upon in big-time spots this year. I liked what I saw from Zed Key. Obviously didn't have a ton on his plate last year, but when he – he was out there on the floor. I, I thought he was productive throughout the year, and I actually thought he got better throughout the season as well. Adam Jardy over at the Dispatch uh, talked to these guys about their Team USA experience, and here's Michi talking about the Dwayne situation, saying, I'm going to do what I have to do for the Buckeyes to do what we have to do to win. I'm working every day the same. The work is going to be consistent, and the game will show a little bit of a tongue twister there, Jay Lou, at the beginning of that quote, but... That's what you love to hear, right? You love to hear that with or without Dwayne in the picture, now we know it's going to be without. He is confident in his ability, and he's confident in the work. An angle that I'm interested in now, if I was Chris Holtman, I got to be blowing up Marcus Carr's phone. I have to be blowing up Marcus Carr's phone from Minnesota 
hit the transfer portal. We touched on the potential of this team with mm. Dwayne Washington, a guy that was in the conference, obviously knows how the style of play is and all of that stuff. And last year for Minnesota, he gave you 19 a night. He threw up six and a half three-pointers a game and knocked him down at a 43% clip. So, I'm excuse me, at a 31% clip, which isn't great, but he ain't scared to let it fly, J. Lou. And that's part of what you're losing with Dwayne. Is a guy that was out there, he had no fear. He absolutely had no fear whether the shots were going in or not. I love that type of player in that type of role. So, to me, if I was Chris Holtman, this would be the guy or one of the guys, because there's a ton of guys out there in the transfer portal right now, but I think this could be a nice fit, and I think that gets us back into the conversation of, okay, Ohio State is a top-five team because you're losing a bucket getter, and we've seen Marcus Carr within the conference over the last couple seasons fill that same role for the Gophers up there in Minnesota. I agree. Uh, that's a great take. And, uh, by the way, happy birthday to uh, Adam Jardy. Uh, always a great guy to have on the program here. Right. So um, there, there's there's a lot to like uh, each year about kids coming in and knowing they're going to have an opportunity. And, and then it's the job of the coaching staff to find out yeah. uh, early on, all right, what are we good at? Uh, what what do we feel our strengths are and plug those holes and and if you can get a guy that comes in averaging at least fifteen a game uh, that that helps plug a big time hole mm-hmm. uh, and then it's all about chemistry right because yeah. I think that's the one thing that set Ohio State apart where they weren't supposed to be where they were last year as early as they were and a lot of that I think ironically helped because of COVID and everyone having to be you know, hey, it's us against the world. We've, we've got to band together, that that kind of mentality. So that's going to foster competitiveness, and I think you're going to see this this talent be able to elevate in, uh, in the early moments of this season. And the Oral Roberts ending was obviously not what anybody wanted. But I think when you have an experience like that after all of the success you've had and you can turn the page into next season and look around the locker room and see – a lot of those familiar faces from a team that had success, I think that can bring a team confidence. They're going to be good. They know that. But I think when you have extra motivation with how you went out a year before, to me, I think that can be a valuable thing for them to keep just in the back of their minds the entire way. Because we knew that Oral Roberts had a couple scores that could sure. scare you, but yeah. there wasn't a lot of people picking Oral Roberts to upset Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, outside of, I think Joe Lenardi was the one guy yeah. That made that claim, and he was right. So credit to him. But is that something, Jayla, you think could work for the team moving forward since there are some guys coming back that had to feel that pain? No doubt. Uh, I mean, any time that you get, and, and it was embarrassing, right? Yep. Uh, it, it was an embarrassing loss. Uh, I think that plays so critically in any head coach's mind when you need to get the attention of the room. Uh, I don't think it'll be hard because I, I think that's with a lot of these guys knowing – that I mean, imagine if that was a full arena too. So amplify their feelings right. by ten, right? Because because you're having you'll remember the voices of people yelling at you, going <laughs> right. into the locker room, and all those things. So yeah, I, I think that plays very well. Stephen Means, Ohio State football and basketball beat writer for Cleveland.com, hops on next. We'll chop it up with him after the break. Rothman and Ice, right here on the fan. It opens your mind to stimulating conversation and live sports. And best of all, it still costs zero dollars. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Sports talk, well done. Just like Matty enjoys his steak. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in. 
Matty Ash, J. Lou filling in for AR today. Time for us to head to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Talk to our guy, Stephen Means, Ohio State football and basketball beat writer for Cleveland.com. Stephen, happy Friday to you. How you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Thanks for giving us some of your time. We were talking about Michi Johnson before we brought you on, man, and him and Zed having their Team USA experience. And I just wanted to ask you, what type of role do you envision Michi Johnson having now in year two as a Buckeye? Yeah, so let's... Pre-Dwayne decision, I thought he'd be the starting point guard anyway, which is why it was so important that he used that extra year of eligibility last year and showed up as an early enrollee in January. That was so important because now he wasn't he's just not getting thrown into the fire without any college basketball experience, even if it was a small amount. Him getting a chance to, for half a season, sit behind C.J. Walker and learn the position a little bit before he gets tossed the ball was very, very important for his development. And now that Dwayne's gone, he's definitely going to be the starting point guard this season, <laughs> and they're going to basically need him. It's almost pretty similar to the football situation where it's with C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, they have basically no experience, but you're going to throw him to the fire from day one and expect him to be pretty quality at the position. So we should expect a lot from E.G. Johnson. I'm not saying he's going to be an All-American or an All-Big Ten level player, but he should be a guy that's giving you 10, 11 points per game and four or five assists pretty easily. Steven, hey, it's Jensen. I uh, agree wholeheartedly. And Maddie just and I were kind of talking about it before you came on. Not only Michi, but Zed Key getting some really good experience there with Team USA and uh, those trials. And I think now looking forward here into this camp, we, we kind of made the analogy that anytime you you get embarrassed in the NCAA tournament the way that Ohio State did, it's going to create lasting effects as far as memory goes. And I think Coach Holtman will probably use that as a motivating factor, no question. Is there somebody or, or a couple of guys coming in uh, to maybe their second year or or uh, an impact position uh, for a guy that we need to keep our eye on as this group starts to get going here for 2021? Well, uh, yeah, obviously everything will start with EJ Liddell as, as long as he comes back, which if you've seen the pictures, it seems like he's already made that decision because the deadline's coming up real soon here. So it starts with him and Justice Suing. But then also getting a healthy Seth Towns is important. And no, we shouldn't expect him to be – some 15 to 20 point per game score, Ivy League player of the year level player that he was at Harvard or even when he was in high school. We should expect that his body's not going to allow him to be that type of a player, but also that was so long ago at this point. But he's more than 3.8 points per game for you. He can do a lot more than that and can be a quality scoring option off of the bench. I remember asking Holtman about that last year and how maybe our expectations for him last year were a little bit too high given the fact that he hadn't played basketball in two years, and he still wasn't completely healthy. Now that he's had a complete, full, regular all-season to get healthy and to get acclimated into things at Ohio State, I think we should see a better Seth Towns for his final year of college basketball. But then also, the one guy I think needs to make the largest leap is, is Eugene Brown. This is a guy that they went and got to go be a 3-and-D player for them and basically solve the issue of, who do you play between, you know, a, a, a Musa Jallo and a, and a Justin Orange? Do you play the shooting or do you play the defense? Or you can just play Eugene Brown the third, who gives you both. Last year, there were a lot of times where he didn't. He looked lost out there. He looked like a regular freshman coming into college football, college basketball, excuse me, where he needed a year to learn what he was doing. And so this year, you might see a significant jump for him in playing time, and then also his impact because he answers both sides of the ball for you as far as he can guard your other team's best player 
but also can be a great floor spacer for some of these scores. Such an important role, man. That skill set. You know, Steve, and you look around the NBA, like those dudes are getting paid a ton of money, right? Those <laughs> yeah. 3 and D guys mm-hmm. that can go on the other end, guard the opposing team's best player, and still give it to you on offense, man. That is a heck of a player if you can find that. So hopefully he does turn the corner. I'm with you on Seth Towns, too, man. I can't wait to see what he brings to the table if his body is healthy. Wanted to go back to the backcourt with you, man, and hit you up because you said that you roll with Meech as your starting guard. You think he's going to be the dude up there at point. What, how you feeling about Jamari Wheeler? Transfer coming in. I know he's talked about what he wants to do on the defensive end of the floor. How do you see him fit in? It, defensive guy. I uh, can take, a. I think, a veteran guy as well where, you know, let's just be honest here. We think Michi's going to be pretty good, but it's going to be rocky, especially to start the season now that you're putting teams like Duke on your schedule. We, we shouldn't expect every game to just run smoothly. And so to have a veteran leader like Jamari Wheeler, who can also defend at a high level when you're playing against some of these better guards in the Big Ten, that will help ease some of Michi's pain a little bit, especially early in the season, especially when you think about now that Dwayne Washington's gone, it's Jamari Wheeler is the oldest guy in the room, and he just got here like two months ago because everybody else in the room is either new or just didn't play last year because they had some type of injury situation going on, like Jimmy Sotos, who – he took a step up from going to Bucknell to Ohio State, but also he spent most of the year last year in a shoulder sling after having surgery. So he's basically new to this program. So you need Jamari Wheeler to come in, especially once you get in the Big Ten schedule, and just be that kind of that calming presence for that backcourt when you've got a guy like Michi Johnson, whose ceiling might be high, but it might take some time for him to get there. Sort of like in football, you've got Travion Henderson and you've got Master Teague. Trayvon Henderson's probably got a higher ceiling, but you can rely on Master Teague to kind of get you through the regular season that Trayvon Henderson comes along slowly. Steven, Maddie and I off the top of the show, we're we're discussing, I know we've done it all week now, the name, image, and likeness uh, coming up uh, as of yesterday, kind of our first 24 to 48 hours into some of these early deals. Ohio State, uh, a couple of players already uh, making some deals, Zed Key and Eugene Brown uh, with Yoke Gaming and also Buckeye cornerback Ryan Watts. Uh, from what you've heard and, and just people you've talked with, uh, Matty and I have said, uh, obviously, this is a game changer for recruiting, uh, but also we're talking billions as far as a college becoming more more business than it ever has in the past. Uh, anything on the horizon that you've heard or things we should be looking for in the next couple of weeks that, that are, are probably going to happen? Nothing big for a significant player. I just think you'll continue to see these things roll out throughout the next couple of weeks and the next couple of months. It's really funny. <laughs> it's like it's like signing day, except it's signing for money instead of signing <laughs> yeah. for a school. Because midnight hit, and all of a sudden, every player in the country had an endorsement deal with somebody. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. I love it. I love it. It's not, nothing big right now. I think the, the, what you'll see is what you're seeing right now. A lot of these small stuff start to dwindle out and dwindle out and dwindle out. What gets interesting is when we get into the season and the world starts finding out who C.J. Stroud is or starts finding out who Kyle McCord is or whoever the starting quarterback is yeah. or whenever a true freshman goes crazy in a football game like in the Michigan game was what we've seen the last two times with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. What happens if a true freshman goes crazy? What happens if somebody makes a big play? Like remember Braxton Miller's spin move and how much money he could have made just off oh. that spin move if you had to put yeah. it on T-shirts. <laughs> right. Or somebody makes a big hit on defense. That's when it gets interesting because now maybe some of these bigger companies, if you do something on, Kyle, on a 
a primetime game, maybe in the Oregon game, and now the whole world knows where you are. What are you able to take advantage of then? So I think that's when it gets interesting. Right now you're just seeing a lot of small stuff because it's the offseason. It gets fun when the season starts and we start thinking about college football every single day of our lives. Man, you mentioned that spin move and what Braxton would have been able to do by, like you said, making T-shirts or whatever off of it. In my mind, went to the defensive side of the ball and I thought about Denzel Ward, right? On that big hit, you got barbecue yeah. back there and you didn't invite me. Like, he could have put that everywhere. He, Gus Johnson could have worked something out and made some money off of that uh, as well. want to go back to uh, hoops real quick and the Dwayne Washington vacancy. We also, during our Michi Johnson conversation, brought up the name Mark. Marcus Carr in the transfer portal, a guy you know well within the conference, was a bucket getter up there at Minnesota. Your thoughts on maybe Chris Holtman and his staff flirting around with that, or do you think that is there anybody else out there in the portal that you think could be an option to fill that hole that Dwayne's leaving behind? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Carr. I, I think they might okay. go veteran there. And here's why it won't be I don't think it's going to be Carr. It's not because Carr is not a quality option. I mean, we saw what he's done to Ohio State the last two seasons. It would be a great option. But what you don't want to do is stunt the growth of some of this young talent you have on the roster. You want to encourage it to grow. You've got a guy by the name of Malachi Branham on the roster who's the number 34 player in the country. And to be quite honest with you, might turn himself into a one-and-done type player the way D'Angelo Russell did when he came up in here in 2014 and left after a year when nobody thought he was going to do that. That kid might end up being your second leading scorer by E.J. Liddell. And honestly, I also wouldn't be surprised if he ended up leading this team in scoring. He's that good of a scorer. He went to the same high school as LeBron James, St. Vincent, St. Mary, where he was the Ohio Mr. Basketball and a two-time state champion. That's the most important person on this team. Even with E.J. Liddell being a guy who is probably a preseason Big Ten player of the year candidate and all that stuff, it's, that's great. This is your best. This is the guy with the highest ceiling. This is the NBA talent right here at 6'4, 180 pounds, who still clearly needs to put on some weight. But that's the guy where, if there's anybody on this roster where you look at and go, okay, Holtman's going to finally have a first round NBA draft pick, Malachi Branham is that guy. And so you don't want anybody getting in the way of that if you feel like that kid can come in immediately and be a 13, 14, 15 per, points per game score. It's good stuff, man. It's a really good breakdown from you on everything Buckeye basketball right there. His name's Stephen Means, Ohio State football and basketball beat writer for Cleveland.com. Go follow him on Twitter at Stephen underscore Means right now. Stephen, thanks for your time, man. Have a great weekend, all right? Thanks, Stephen. You guys too, man. You guys too. Good stuff right there. Yeah, J-Lo, that's good stuff from him, right, where he's high on two young guys, Michi Johnson, Been around for a little bit of time, but he thinks he can handle that starting role. And Malachi coming in from St. Vincent St. Mary, a guy that did a lot of damage on the high school circuit here in Ohio. He believes that he can step up and handle the role that Dwayne's leaving behind. That was really interesting from him right there. By the way, uh, is that going to be a great Thanksgiving weekend? Um <laughs> Ohio State, Michigan, and then Ohio State, Duke. Oh man, like you know what I mean. Just un, <laughs> just unbuckle the belt and just lock <laughs> I was just in. Thinking, yes. and just <laughs> lock in. We'll lock oh. in over unders next. Rothman and Ice right here on the fan. The first thing you hear every morning should be Bobby Carpenter yelling at you. Bird chirping is overrated. Morning juice. Weekday mornings at six. The fan. Hey. Rothman and Ice present overs and unders. All right, CB, let's roll. All right, we got a good mix here. Our first one coming up is the PGA Tour. They are playing in the Rocket Mortgage Classic up in uh, Detroit. Yep. I want to know the winner over under 20 and a half under par. 
20 and a half. That's a real thick number, J. Lou. Historically, it's a very high number with this tournament. I'm looking at the leaderboard right now. I got Bryson sitting there at number one at minus seven. Matthew Wolf, Young Beast on the tour coming in at minus one. And Kinsner at minus six. This can't be right. This cannot be right. I'm looking at last year's leaderboard. That's why that update is not what you wanted to hear, J. Lou. Google lied to me right there. I'll trust CB on this, though. I'm going to go with the over. Bryson's out there hitting it long. He's mad. His caddy left him. You know, got that fueled in his tank right now. I'll go with the over, J-Lo. May have lost, J-Lo. You and I can handle these over under CB right now. What do you got for the second one? Okay, second one I got coming up is Nick Castellanos. I want to know over under four and a half hits this weekend versus the Cubs. Congratulations to Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker both. I know J-Lo and I will lock in more uh, about the Reds in the Indians in our Chin Music segment coming up at 2.33. Big series for the Red Legs, obviously. They're slipping a little bit. Got that thing done against the Padres. But this dude, man, I don't think I'm ever going to pick an under when it comes to offensive stuff with Nick Castellanos. I don't care what pitchers out there, what elements are out there. This dude is so locked in. The baseball has been a beach ball all year long for Nick Castellanos. So, CB, I will go with the over for four and a half this this weekend against the Cubbies. Okay, wow. so I'm going to give J. Lou both of these because okay. just, He's back. he just joined in. We got the yep. PGA Tour Rocket Mortgage Classic up in Detroit over under 20 and a half under par. All right, I think I will go... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under, uh, and I think 20 might be the number. And uh, I think for Castellanos, weekend series hits. Oh boy. Yep. Ooh. One and a half. Come on, we can oh, get him to five. CB, this is a good number right here. I mean, he's been smoking hot. Yeah, I'll, I'll ride. Uh, I'll go over. All right, third up, we have Chris Middleton in game number six coming up. I want to know over under 24 and a half points. Uh, let me ask you this, Matty. Yeah. You, you watch you watch game five and okay, no Giannis, no yep. Trey Young, nope. and you thought, okay, where where's the depth of the Bucks gonna end up showing up? Joe Drew Holiday answers that question. Uh Middleton, are we still waiting for a breakout game here? Is game six to one? Can you can you be the clincher right here as a number two guy? Um I I think I think you stay with the hot hand and uh I'll I'll say under. I'll say he gets twenty two. You mentioned Drew Holiday balling out last night. How about Brooke Lopez turning into prime yeah. prime Shaq last night against the Atlanta Hawks? Thirty five to one to be the top scorer. Unbelievable! You, it, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So right, it is crazy. But I'll roll with you on the under field goal percentage on the road inside Atlanta's arena goes to forty percent so far in the series. He shot it at. 47% all year. So on the road, funky stuff's been happening down in the A for Chris Middleton. I'll take the under as well. All right, Garrett Cole, strikeouts have dipped since the sticky stub substance cracked down. I want to know over <laughs> under for a Saturday start versus the Mets, seven and a half. Oh, How you feeling, Jay Lou? What do you think of that? <laughs> I, uh, I'm i here for it. Yeah. I got popcorn. I mean, not been a good uh, couple of weeks for the uh, former UCLA Bruins, Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole. Uh, at least on the field, I think Garrett Cole has got still a lot of a lot of questions that he's going to have to answer in the coming weeks, and and he can put a few of those to bed with a solid performance. But you know, the Subway Series has a weird way of of just bringing out some intriguing results. And I, I hate you know the sharp play should be the under. 
And and CB has been. Uh, you need to get a, a job as a bookmaker, my friend. You've had some really good numbers the last couple of weeks. I think you're right on it. I'll take six punchies, and I think the Mets beat. You heard it here first. The Mets beat Garrett Cole. Jalu Mets sitting on top of that NL East, right? I mean, all mm-hmm. the injuries. Frankie mm-hmm. struggling out of the gate, and they're still sitting there. It has been fascinating, man, to see these numbers come out when it comes to these pitchers and the rotation and the spin rate and all that stuff go the opposite way. And mainly for a guy like Garrett Cole, who was put in the spotlight, I believe, by Josh Donaldson uh, a week or two ago. I believe that was the case there. And it's been weird. It's been funky since then. So I'll slide with you on the under on that, especially going up against the Mets, who over the little pocket of time here have seemed to figure things out. All right, Game 3 in the Stanley Cup Final tonight. You have the Canadians trying to avoid falling down to 3-0 in the series. I want to know over-under for the combined goals between the two teams, 4.5. Well, Montreal backs against the wall. they got to play inspired. They're at home. Uh, they've, they've had a little bit of a bounce there. And Tampa Bay has just been rolling in this series. But uh, I think the scoring happens uh, earnestly. I, I think you can get to 5, a little empty netter. This is what we like to call in the wagering industry a sweat this is going to be a sweat all the way to the end. Uh, empty netter. I think the Canadians get on the board and uh, they get uh, their first win of the series. I think they win three to two. When you throw out the term combined goals, my mind goes to Vasilevsky for the Lightning. In that, he is just—he's that dude. He is that guy, pal. He is that guy. It's been really In good. That, he has been really good, and I don't know if the Canadians are going to be able to do enough. I will take the under on that. And our final one is the weekend high temperature. It's going to be a scorcher on Sunday. I want to know over, under 87 and a half. I'm going over, J. Lou. I think CB took me right where I was going. I think Sunday is going to be the day. I think it's going to be nice and warm outside for everybody. 87 and a half. You probably could have kicked that thing up to about 88 and a half, maybe even 89. And I may have taken the over then. I think he gave us a little freebie here, CB. Feeling good on a Friday. I'll take the over. All right, this is where you get digged for me being up here by the lake because you always have to account for uh, where they are and, and, and just the, the abyss that is uh, temperatures uh, being uh, living up here by the lake. I will side. I will side with the public here. I will go with Maddie. Uh, this might be Vegas looking at us, trying to uh, begging us to take the over, but I, I don't think I don't think you're going to be anywhere under that. I like it. I'll get. I'll take the over eighty-seven and a half. Those are your over-unders for this week. Update for you at the top of the hour. When we come back, Shefty reporting who's going to be the Hard Knocks team for this season and NFL.com pointing at who they think are going to be the MVPs for each team around the league. We'll let you know who they picked for the Bengals, the Browns, and do we agree with those and the other selections around the league after the break. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. On air. Online. On the app. New methods of consumption. Same great radio taste. Take us with you everywhere. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Two guys who love a good fantasy draft. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining us. Matty Ice, Jensen Lewis, a.k.a. J. Lou, filling in for mm-hmm. our guy A.R. today. As you heard there from our guy Eric in the update. Cowboys. That's big, man. I mean, that is that's I've seen huge. enough of Dak already, I, I have to say, because he is a Mississippi State guy, and that was... <laughs> It was okay. painful to see him at Rosenblatt. Yeah, that. see, I wasn't going to go there, but you That's brought right. it up. I'm I, a pro. Uh, I can I, handle it. I felt for you. I really did. I'm <laughs> sure you felt good going into game three with Kumar oh, yeah. out there on the bump, right? It was set up nicely for you guys. 
But Jay, I think the thing that kept popping up was just defensively throughout oh, the yeah. throughout the tourney kept hurting you guys. Not only that, but uh, a ton of strikeouts. Very uh, uncharacteristic for a Vanderbilt group. But uh, hey, listen, hats off to Mississippi State, first ever national title in school history as yep. far as any sport goes. So uh, they deserved it. They uh, they went out and they won it. Had to come back uh, and win back to back games against the nation's best pitching staff. So hey, if you're gonna lose. Uh, you want to lose to an SEC team, and uh, I tell you what, it's going to be fascinating to see where Kumar and, and Jack Leiter go uh, in the draft. Sounds like Jack could be as high as number two to mm. Texas. Uh, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to take him because they're not ready uh, to compete here for at least a couple of years, so they don't want to worry about uh, starting his clock. He's going to be a guy that shoots through the system, so Texas is going to get a good one if he goes number two. You know, we were starting the show, we started the show talking about some of the NIL stuff, that name, image, and likeness, and how I I thought about this as well. Like, different cities, different universities, this is going to look different for everyone, because AR and I were talking yesterday, or the other day, about Cincinnati and the Bearcats, and they have going to have a solid squad Desmond Ritter their quarterback I'm all in on him when we talk about NFL draft up for the next year I think that dude is an absolute baller but I brought up to J. Lou if you're you know a car dealership uh, I brought up they are if you're a car dealership down in Cincinnati do you want the college kid or do you want Joey Votto do you want Joe Burrow there's competition right in different cities is different for everyone and then when you have a school like Vandy school you attended to where baseball to me is kind of the face of the university when we talk about athletics sure Vanderbilt has had some decent moments in basketball some decent moments in football but you got a dominant program there as far as the baseball program goes at Vandy and I wonder how that's going to work and what they try to sell down there do you think it is going to be the baseball guys for Vandy do you think they're going to get a large piece of that pie no doubt yeah uh, it's going to be ridiculous uh, at least for for my alma mater and knowing uh, that you've got opportunities to uh, just exploit uh, the city itself. I mean, when you think about when you think about some of these big time programs, sports specific, right? You know, Tuscaloosa for for Alabama football. Whoever you are, as far as a star down there, you're going to feel what it's like to be a professional athlete. I mean, that's that's basically what it's going to be. Um, I'm thinking about Vandy baseball. Uh, I think about USC football. Uh, what you know, I, even though Coach K is retiring after this year, what Duke basketball oh, and, and North Carolina UK, basketball Kentucky, will look like? Oh Kentucky basketball. I, you know, you think about okay, the first when you mention a school name, yeah, the first sport that comes to mind. Kentucky is obviously basketball. Mm-hmm. Duke, UNC, same thing. Vanderbilt is baseball. Alabama, Ohio State, USC, Michigan, Texas football. Uh, this is. As I said, we're talking billions and billions. It, it will feel like a Fortune 500 company when this thing's up and running. Craziness, man. Craziness coming at us here with this and then in a couple years with the college football expansion. Just new chapters in the book of college athletics and college football. It's exciting stuff uh, for me. So real quick, going back to the Hard Knocks thing, this thing's going to debut on August 10th, I think this is gold for HBO. This is gold for the league. The ratings are going to be through the roof because of Dallas and the star power that they have with Zeke and Dak and even the owner in Jerry Jones. I think that's a portion of the part of it I'm really excited about is just to hear from Jerry Jones a uh, week in and week out there for about a month. But yeah, I mean, I have no complaints at all about the Dallas Cowboys being the squad highlighted this year. And because I think they're going to be pretty good. They're going to be really good. This isn't going to be a team we forget about going into the season because I know there's qualifications to have to get on to hard knocks and I know 
The Cowboys obviously didn't meet those last year because of everything going on with injuries to their most important player. But I think this is a slam dunk. I love this. And I think of all the other options, I can't wait to see the other options. But it's being reported, J. Lou, that it is the Cowboys. And, man, this is I think it's going to be TV gold. What's what's really fascinating, too, is that division. Oh. I, and I know we're going to talk MVPs of yeah. each team here in just a second. But with what the Washington football team has put together from last year, and, and now you get Fitzmagic that's going to lead them. We know they got a top-five defense. Uh, Ron Rivera, you know, the gambler, is going to be in, in a position now where – they're going to be they're going to be expectations there to win mm-hmm. because they're they're actually going to they're going to have a, a competent quarterback not that you know Alex Smith coming back from injury couldn't do that but now you have at least someone who uh, is healthy at the beginning of the season the giants are an intriguing team because of of hopefully Saquon Barkley being healthy for an entire season Daniel Jones now uh with some additional weapons around him what will that defense look like with reinforcements uh do we even do we even know what the Eagles might be? Uh, with uh, it is Jalen Hurts, it's a new it's a new head coach, but doesn't that feel like the team that's in shambles? <laughs> you know, it, like what? Yeah. You have no idea what they're going to get. I mean, and then you have Dallas, right? And then you have Dallas right? with a healthy Dak if Dak can stay healthy. So it, it's a fascinating division. And what do they look like on defense? Right, getting Quinn yeah. to come over as their defensive coordinator, their complete reset for them. They spent so much draft capital on the defensive side of the football, and those guys are going to have to get ready to go because we know that offense is going to be spectacular yep. if everybody's healthy and that O line can stay, you know, very uh, strong throughout the year. Zeke company, they're going to eat. Dak's going to distribute the football to those three wide receivers and that's going to be a party for Cowboys fan on that side of the football, but their defense was so bad for so long that they stood no chance last year with with or without Dak. That's why a large part of those Dak numbers were because they were chasing points. He had to go out there and do that. I love that you brought up Washington. I've been on them this entire offseason. The big question mark for me is the quarterback because that is going to be a roller coaster ride. We know how this works with Fitzmagic. But they're going to be relying on three Buckeyes to really be key contributors to their success. We know Chase Young, the predator. We know what he is going to do. We know that that guy moving forward, I think, is going to be walking into 10 sacks every single year throughout his career if he can stay healthy. But Terry McLaurin, we know what he's a baller. But Curtis Samuel. You know, Ron Rivera down in Carolina, he's the guy that brought in Curtis Samuel. Now he brought him up to Washington. So he really believes in Curtis Samuel and his ability to man to do some different things within an offense, I think is going to be fun to watch. So I'm with you on Washington. I think a lot of people are going to warm up to Dallas now with their quarterback back and all that stuff. But that defense that you touched on that's going to be top five, we saw what they did in the playoffs against the Bucks. Like That team did not lay down. They didn't mm-hmm. lay down. They offered them some resistance, and their quarterback situation was just a mess with what they had at the time. So I really like Washington there, no doubt. NFL.com, they've pointed out who they think are going to be some team MVPs for the upcoming season. Let's start down in Cincinnati, J. Lou. Their okay. selection is Joe Mixon. Do you like that? I, I think so, just because so much of the so much of the perspective of this team is all right, they're gonna be an air raid team now with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. If you don't have any semblance of a running game, then and it's like Joe Burrow is already half hurt because mm-hmm. then every defense is gonna say, Okay, uh, we're gonna have to try and force you to beat us with the run and and they're just gonna keep them from being able to go downfield. 
Uh, I think that with Gio Bernard leaving, uh, is this a is Joe Mixon now officially a three down back? No questions asked. Mm-hmm. If he is, and and he can remain healthy. I mean, think about the first six weeks of the season for the Bengals. That that basically is going to give you an idea of what this team will be like because we're, we're uh, what is priority one? You got to protect Joe Burrow. We have no clue what the offensive line is going to be able to do with right. him. So we if we get that question answered, then that probably leads us into an eye on what the running game looks like in the first third of the season. If if the if the O line is good, then I think that means Joe Mixon is going to be pretty productive. Uh, probably a fantasy sleeper this year. I. I said at the beginning, if I'm if I'm a, a person in a in a wagering a legal wagering place, I love the over in in all the Bengals' first three or four games because the garbage time yards they're going to want to get rapport. You know, they may not be winning, mm-hmm. they're going to want to get rapport with Burrow because he's been out for a long time. You want to get rapport in game with Higgins and Boyd again. You're going to want Mixon to have feel with the offensive line, so I think they're going to be able to score points. I just don't know how many points. They're going to give up. That's it. That's it. And the last couple of years, we've really seen over the last couple off seasons, them go outside of the building and try to bring in some faces. Not try. They did bring in some new faces on the defensive side of the football, whether it's Trey Waynes, whether it's Hilton from Pittsburgh. Their top three corners might all be new faces from the last couple of years. So how does that transition happen for them on the defensive side of the football? Is Trey Hendrickson a guy that Bengal fans are going to feel really good about when it's third and six out there and you got to get off the field? Are those numbers real from what we saw from New Orleans? So the defense, to me, I love that, man, because like that could obviously help out the offense. That could help out Joe Burrow, and it could help out this offense to where Joe Burrow and maybe an iffy offensive line doesn't have to chase points with the pass. They could turn around and stick it in the gut of Joe Mixon and eat up some clock. So I can't wait to see what that looks like. Their defense and their O-line. But with Joe Mixon, you brought up the name Gio Bernard and what he left behind. Not even just in the passing game, but their trust with him in pass protection on third down. Which running back is going to provide that? Because you've got your quarterback coming off a major injury. Is Joe Mixon going to be that dude? We'll see. But I'd love to see his receptions go up to where we can get him to 50 to 60 receptions. I think he's got the talent. Maybe he would have got there last year, but the injury took him out after six games. But that development is big because the way that they're paying him, to me, J. Lou, he should do that. He should be doing that coming up in the next couple of years. So we'll see if Joe Mixon can handle that. On the Brown side of things, they rode with Miles Garrett. And I'm going to disagree with NFL.com on this on the specific player i think they got the room right but i think they got the player wrong because miles garrett to me when it comes to mvp stuff he's going to be putting up ridiculous numbers when you talk about most valuable to this browns defense if Jadavian Clowney, Tack McKinley, and the guys in the middle of that defensive line aren't creating pressure, and that's going to allow offensive linemen to shift over more towards miles garrett then to me, that's a bit of a problem because I like what's going on in the secondary. I'm starting to warm up to their linebackers and what they're going to be able to do, especially now with young jock in the building. But that's it. Down in the trenches, J. Lou, like what is Clowney going to look like? To me, it's been an okay career. He does some really good stuff with the run, but as far as the pass rush go, it hasn't it hasn't been there. So I don't think it has to be Miles Garrett. I think it's got to be everyone else in the same room as Miles Garrett when it comes to what's going to be most valuable to this Browns team coming up next year. 
Okay. Um, I am, I'm going to, just for debate purposes, I, I think I'm going to use a generic secondary. I, I think because of the injuries that they have sustained the last couple of seasons, you get a healthy Grant Delpit back. You obviously get John Johnson and Troy Hill coming over, Greg Newsom out of the draft, and Denzel Ward back. That should be the deepest secondary in the NFL to start the season. It should be. Okay. If they do what they're supposed to within the division, Think about think about the passing attacks they're going to face. We we don't expect Baltimore to be a real big passing team, although we could be proven wrong. They're just coming to beat you up. I, I think they, they they're going to run clock. They're going to force you to have to keep Lamar uh, from getting out in space, and and they'll just grind you to death. Okay, does Pittsburgh really present any problems for you from a receiving standpoint? I they don't they don't scare me too much. They would scare me. They would okay. scare me. I am in on their young core of pass okay. catchers. Claypool, Deontay Johnson with Juju back. And I know Juju didn't have a spectacular year as far as yards per reception goes. And Big Ben's got to prove to us that he's got to push the ball downfield. Mm-hmm. So that part of it is in your camp. That side of the argument, I could totally agree with you on that. I'm just a believer, J. Lou and Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Okay. I think those dudes are monsters. But if you're the Browns, your point right here, J. Lewis, you match up well. You match up well if everyone's healthy. Yeah, and and so that leads me back to the Bengals here, where I think to, even though Chase is a rookie, uh, he doesn't. He is not physically a rookie. He's not physically a guy that's going to come in and, in my opinion, be overwhelmed. Like you think about what Justin Jefferson did last year in right. Minnesota. Yep. He was not overwhelmed. He got his. It didn't matter what opponent it was. It didn't matter who was covering him. He found a way. That to me feels like with the rapport that Burrow and Chase had in college, I think that comes back in spades. And, oh, by the way, you got T. Higgins from Clemson, <laughs> and you've got Tyler Boyd, who's been here for a couple of years. That that group scares me the most. Yeah. And, again, you're going to play the most games against your division. you got to try and play them twice and keep them under 300 yards passing. That's where I think it presents the most challenges for the Browns. I will go if they're going to be a team that goes deep. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's face it. They're gonna, you're going to get front and center. I feel like it's miracle. It's the U.S. versus the Russians <laughs> and because you're facing Kansas City in their building with that passing attack. Yeah. We're going to learn a lot, and I, and I hate to do this because week one is overreaction week, right? I hate to do that, but I think we're going to get a real good litmus test of where this Brown secondary might be able to be. They're not, we're not going to give them a final grade, pass or fail, yeah. but you're going to have an idea where they are and what they could be in the next six to eight weeks after that. I like it. I want to go back to the Bengals real quick and hit you with this. I think the Bengals this upcoming year, if they can roll out an average offensive line, I think they can be a top five offense in scary. the league. Uh, scary, man. I think, they can, be, I think yep. they can be a top five offense in the league if their offensive line is average. Now, that is a huge if because the last couple of years, and mainly last year, it was a mess. Even before the injury, Burrow was getting beat up like crazy. But that's how much confidence that I have in their playmakers. The guys that you talked about, the three wide receivers, and what Joe Mixon can do, and maybe even a guy like Chris Evans, a rookie coming in, maybe he feels fills that Gio Bernard role. It's a lot to ask from them, but I think if they get there, this Bengals offense is going to be a problem for the league. When we come back, former Buckeye, is it comeback season for him in the NFL next year? We'll give you our take on it next. Rothman and Ice, right, right here on The Fan. 
Constantly interrupting valuable airtime to sell $3 stickers. What a business plan. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Joggers or sweatpants. Either way, one size fits all. This is Rothman and Ice. The crew open up lower.com field tomorrow, and 10TV is getting you ready with exclusive content all week long. Check out 10TV.com for behind-the-scenes access, including an aerial tour from Drone 10, an extended tour of the new home of the crew and a timeline of the team and stadium over the years. Watch 10TV every night, then tune to the fan on Saturday for the crew in New England from the brand-new stadium. The fan, Ohio sports destination. J. Lou, we talked about at the top of the hour, Shefty reporting that the Cowboys are going to be this year's Hard Knocks team early in August, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now let's lock in to Zeke because we've heard from Dak that he believes Zeke is in the best shape of his life. And now we got running back coach, excuse me, Josh Hicks, also throwing out a similar thing saying, quote, I don't think Zeke has ever worked like this in an offseason. I could be mistaken, but me personally, when it comes to my drills and what I do and how I do it, I know he hasn't worked like this. Last year was a mess for Zeke. I think part of it was him. Part of it was the health of the offensive line. Those guys weren't available, missed a large chunk of time. But to me, J. Lou, I don't know if we've seen Zeke at full form. And what I mean by full form is crop top Zeke. Because there's been some stuff out there around the league that some people don't think Zeke's been in the best shape over the last couple of seasons. I don't know how Zeke trains. The numbers may speak to what some people are seeing and have heard around the league about what Zeke is doing to prepare. But this is such a big year for Zeke. He's only 26 years old, which is crazy to me how he's being talked about. But the lack of production, and mainly last year, with putting the ball on the turf as many times as he did, has some people very hesitant to really keep Zeke in that top five, maybe even top ten anymore as far as running backs go. I still have confidence in him, and I love what I'm hearing because when you talk about what we've heard about him maybe not being in the best shape, people that are in his camp now are saying that he is locked into that and focused on that. So if Zeke can get his explosiveness back, kind of that long speed we've seen him have as a bigger running back, it's going to be a frightening scene down there in Dallas. He is That offensive line and Zeke are the key, though, but he's got to do his part, and it seems that he's doing his part to get in top shape. I'm going to give you uh, the top five running backs according to Pro Football Focus. Okay, and you you tell me because you if you think that that Zeke best shape of his life is is in here, give me a uh, give me a reason why or why not he should be in the in the realm or echelon of these five guys. First one, no surprise, Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we can all agree right now. The best running back in the league. Don't think we need to debate that. Number two is Dalvin Cook. Yep. We we agree that he's number two. Uh, he and Derrick Henry, top two backs in the league right now. That works. Okay. Number three is the intriguing one because of injury concerns, and that's Christian McCaffrey. I have no issue with that. I okay. We watched the man go a thousand and a thousand, and the injury stuff is real, but from a talent perspective, you give me a combo platter like that, I have no issue with CMC being slotted there. Okay, uh, number four, Nick Chubb, the Dark Knight. I think we both will yep. sit here and agree that, that that's going to be tough to argue as well. Now, number five, this is where it gets interesting. Okay. 
Alvin Kamara yep. is number five. Aaron Jones is number six. Saquon Barkley is number seven. So there's your three. Mm-hmm. So five Kamara, six Jones, seven Barkley. It, does Ezekiel Elliott, if he is in the best shape of his career, does he circumvent any of those three in your mind? I think I could if Zeke if old Zeke comes back, I I would feel good about having him above those three guys. All okay. spectacular spectacular players. But to me, J. Lou, when Zeke is right, it's speed, it's mm-hmm. power, it's yes. catch receiving ability. It's literally everything that you want. And now Saquon can be that guy. Like to me, Saquon can be that same guy. But we've seen Zeke, man, like every time we watched Zeke early in his career, it felt like he was always leaning forward, right? No matter what it was, he's going to be leaning forward. So if he is going to get back to that form, to me, Zeke is better than those guys. Because right now he's sitting at number 12 behind number 8, Chris Carson, number 9, Josh Jacobs, number 10, Kareem Hunt, and number 11, Austin Eckler. (laughs) Now, coming off the season that he had... Of course, that's justified. Right, I think that list is fair. But if you're telling me I'm getting everyone at full health and he's ready to rock, I need that dude, man. Like, Mm -hmm. he was spectacular early in his career. And they gave the football to him so much. Out of the gate, first year, 1,600 yards. 2018, 1,400 yards. 2019, 13, like 1,300 yards. So he can handle that. And I think here's the other thing in Zeke's corner, too. They didn't have... This many pass, this level of pass catchers to me early on in his career. Like they didn't have this trio of guys that are this explosive and can do damage week in and week out. I think the way Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, and Amari Cooper can do. So I think that can actually benefit Zeke at this mm-hmm. point in his career as well. Yep. I agree. I think it's going to be a great training camp. Hard knocks. Let's go. Round of applause. Let's go. Round of applause. Let's go. Uh, but here's the issue, J. Lou. 2020, six fumbles. And that's not the first time he did that. 2018, six fumbles. And in 2016, he had five fumbles. So he's got to protect the football and keep that thing in his gut there. And then do what he does, man. Throw up the crop top. Let him see the new. He's got the new tat, right, CB? The, yeah. the On the abs there? That's I right. think that's right, yeah. yeah. man. Show it off, man. You got to get the core right, Zeke. Let's get it going, <laughs> big dog. Going to be an exciting season for him down in Dallas. When we come back, we'll talk to Brendan Deeg more about the NFL. He covers the league over there at Football Post. That's coming up next. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. You'd think that during a three-hour radio show, Man and Bone would say something intelligent. You'd be wrong. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. Dog advice? Check. Gambling advice? Check. Eating broccoli for every meal? Check. Yeah, I know you're hungry. This is Rothman and Ice. Welcome back in. Jensen Lewis in for our guy, AR. Today, time for us to head out to the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. And link up with Brendan D. Covers football over at Football Post, co-host of the Double Doink Podcast. Brendan, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, celebrated Canada Day yesterday with some friends and family. It was good, and I'm sure you guys will be doing the same on Sunday for the 4th of July. No doubt about <laughs> it, man. No doubt about it. Hey, man, last thing we were talking about Zeke, and there's people out there on the record now talking about how Zeke's in really good shape and he's working hard this offseason. Are you a believer that Zeke can bounce back and get to the form that we've seen for a couple seasons now? I do. I think he can kind of get back on track. I don't know if he'll ever live up to kind of the hype that Dallas Cowboys fans wanted. He came flying out the gate in his rookie season. Uh, I don't think he'll ever kind of live up to that hype again. However, his analytics stats were kind of like better than a lot of people realize. He, he didn't have the kind of pop run that he usually does. 
However, he was still a top 10 back analytically last year, and the, the Dallas Cowboys offense was just um, – it, was, it wasn't in sync after Dak Prescott went down. So I think uh, a new year, Dak Prescott back, another year uh, under Mike McCarthy's system – well, it's not really back in the Mike McCarthy system, but another year as a head coach, and that offense going forward. I think he can kind of get back to top seven, top five running back, but again, I don't think he'll ever be a top running, like top three uh, running back in the league. I think like McCaffrey, Barkley, and Henry, there's kind of a, there's a gap there now. Brandon, hey, it's Jensen. Uh, I'll get back to a football question in a second, but uh, I, I would have to ask: Are you a Maple Leafs fan? Are you a Canadians fan? A hockey fan in general? What are you? What are you? The last time I was on about the Leafs, you want to Yeah, <laughs> and then watching Montreal all the way to the finals, so it's like a. Like never ending hell here in Toronto. <laughs> I can only imagine how uh, how bitter it's been there. But uh, all right, so back to the gridiron here. Uh, Maddie and I were going through some of the team MVPs uh, on NFL dot com, and uh, we'll get your thoughts on on obviously two teams that that mean the most here in the state of Ohio. Uh, first of all, the Bengals Joe Mixon and the Browns Miles Garrett. Do you have any issues with those two picks for those two teams? No, I think Miles Garrett's on point. I'm actually expecting a big year from him this year. I think he's kind of got that potential to play the league. Uh, makes some money. My, some, uh, you know, I think he's got a good has a, uh, has a, a pass rush win rate in NFL last year. That, that's, a, that's a good uh, how you're getting after the quarterback and how consistently you can do it. CB, go ahead and put him on. We'll see if we can clean up his line there a little bit. I was very fascinated to hear his take on that Miles Garrett thing. But, yeah, I mean, J-Lo, that's where we are with this dude, right? Even last year, like I was throwing out, I think he could be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year, both he and, and TJ Watt. But he's definitely got everything you want. He's one of those first guy off the buses, right, with the look, the physical traits are through the roof. Kevin Stefanski had to tell him, hey, no more basketball, man. No more basketball this offseason. Your job is chasing after quarterbacks. So a guy like Miles Garrett, there's no doubt about it. He is going to be yeah. ready to handle everything coming his way. I think we have Brendan back. Do we have him back, CB? Okay, Brendan, I think we got you back, man. Go ahead. We couldn't really hear much of your take when you uh, you brought up Miles Garrett. Yeah, I was basically saying Miles Garrett. I think top five. Um, I think the top five defensive players in the year. I think he's got a potential to win defensive MVP. Um, I think uh, I think his pass rush like he hasn't even hit his ceiling yet. Again, he was third in pass rush win rate on ESPN's uh, stats and info. Uh, I think I think there's some another gear. He had COVID, of course, last year. Like he kind of ran into some bumps. He obviously got the suspension the year before that. So I think if he can kind of have a clean, healthy year, I think the sky's the limit for him. And then Joe Mixon's side, yes, there's um, a chance that Jamar Chase could be the offensive sort of MVP this year. Like their offense. Uh, like they, they've got some electric guys on the outside. I, the one thing I'm really worried about with the Bengals is their offensive line. I, I'm not a huge fan of the way they went this year. I'm not a huge fan of right? I think I'm like 56, and it's a guard this year. He wasn't, he wasn't very good. I, mean, I think they I believe they signed him um, at the beginning of the year, like kind of halfway through. Um, and then right Walker. So like I don't know if he's gonna be able to help Mitchell Mixon. He does struggle in the run game, so. It's all going to be based on the offensive line. If Joe Mixon can can get a five starter healthy for majority of the year. Then yeah, and Joe Mixon's another guy. I just 
He's Brendan Deeg from the Football Post, writer over at Football Post. Brendan, thanks so much for your time, man. Enjoy the weekend, okay? Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, have a good one. No doubt about it. Yeah, J. Lou, going back to kind of this piece there with the MVPs and just and looking at some of the other guys yeah. that they pointed out around at least the AFC for us right here, you know, I think one that's very interesting to me, it is Carson Wentz. I, I just looking at him. Okay, yeah. what do you think? Like everybody's just everybody has been dunking on Carson Wentz for about a season and a half now. Your thoughts on the relocation out Indy? Do you like this? Yeah, I mean, you look at the division, we, we expect it to be a little more wide open, uh, and that's with all due respect to Tennessee, and we still don't know what the situation in Houston is going to be like. I think we can assume that Deshaun Lawson is probably facing at least some sort of suspension, uh, but we, we don't have you know any official timetable on any of that. So, I mean, just take the offense, for example. I think Michael Pittman Jr. made a heck of a stride last year in his game. T.Y. Hilton played most of the year banged up. The, the tight end situation, uh, Mo Alley-Cox, again, a guy that had to step up for Phil Rivers. Jack Doyle has been really good when healthy. So now it's, all right, Jonathan Taylor, you got a guy who can run. Naheem Hines is great out of the backfield. Marlon Mack, who had been the future uh, you know running back there for a couple of years, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, does he fall to third on the depth chart? You still have some weapons there. And, and what has Carson Wentz really lacked the last year or two in Philadelphia? He's lacked weapons due to injury. Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically been on him to try and thread the needle in a much tougher division in the NFC East. I think we can make that assumption uh, than than what uh, the AFC South has been for the last couple of years. So, if if the Colts make the playoffs, he is the MVP. I I don't think there's any other way around that because you're going to need to be able to have a competent quarterback. You saw Phil Rivers steps in year one in that system. Again, he's a veteran. Yeah. But he was able to he was able to do a lot of things with not too much talent around him. Now Carson Wentz, you would assume with everyone healthy, has got a much better offensive package to work with than what Phil Rivers did last year. When I think about the Carson Wentz and Frank Wright relationship and the success that they had in Philly, and then when Frank Reich was out of the equation, whether it was due to Carson Wentz being injured or the lack of weapons, those guys being injured or the offensive line beat up, there was just so much going on. I got to thinking, J. Lou, it kind of reminded me of something that we've seen here that you know a ton about here with the Reds, where Sonny Gray leaves New York, right? Like, it was a, his name, it was not a sexy name as far as what he was doing. And then what happens? He comes down to Cincinnati and links up with his old pitching coach in Derek Johnson. And all of a sudden, Sonny Gray has seemed to figure it out again. And maybe there could be some of that, the comfort level that you have around a coach that knows you well, you know him well, you know his system. I think maybe for an athlete that could really bring you some comfort. And I just got to thinking maybe there could be a little bit of that because when, you know, Sonny Gray was out with the Yankees, Yankee fans were not happy with what they were seeing from Sonny Gray, but he slides down to Cincinnati and gets back with his old guy and things seem to be clicking again. He is a great analogy, right? Because there's a lot of times where athletes at the professional level click with a certain mentor or a certain coach. And I think we can certainly point to that relationship with Frank Reich and Carson Wentz. Now, it'll be a different a different skill and, and weaponry uh, arrangement that he will have uh, in Indianapolis than what he did in in kind of those first couple of great years with Philadelphia. Yeah. But but from a, a schedule standpoint, 
got to feel pretty good about their chances, right? Nine, ten wins should should be a very reasonable expectation with the steps that that defense took last year. Yep. Uh, might be one of the under the radar defenses as far as the AFC goes. So it's all there for him. It's a matter of what can the late game and third down execution look like. Can he have a running game with Jonathan Taylor be sustained? And if he does. Maddie, I think this is one of the surprise teams. Maybe not surprise. This is one of the sneaky good teams yeah. that people really aren't talking about. Like that angle that you brought up when it comes to their schedule. And how about this, J. Lou? How many certainties do we have around the AFC South? Right. Yep. I think it's Tennessee's offense, and that's probably about it. Jacksonville, yep. major question marks, rookie quarterback, very talented. We think he's going to be good. But defensively, we don't know. Houston, that's completely up in the air. So you look around the division, the Colts should feel really good about where they are. Tennessee is going to be a handful, what they're going to throw out there. But to add to your point, Colts are going to have a strong defense. So if you can find a way to offer some resistance to Derrick Henry and you have guys on the outside you're confident in that may be able to slow down AJ, uh, excuse me, yeah, AJ Brown and Julio Jones, then then you reel off a couple of those wins or you split there with the Titans. You're feeling really good because they got to feel pretty solid about their matchups against Houston and the Jags. So I'm with you on Carson Wentz, man. A lot at his feet. Let's see if he can get back to that form of 2017 where he was in the MVP conversation, even if he doesn't get back to that level they get a sliver of that they got themselves a heck of a quarterback when we come back business was booming over at the woody we'll tell you about that in our buckeye bulletin it's rothman and ice right here on the fan the offseason is a myth serving you 24 hours a day seven days a week to feed your sports addiction the fan ohio sports destination rothman and ice present Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Don't go through another air conditioner breakdown. For fast, friendly service, call the experts at Logan Services now for a free estimate and next day air installation. J. Lou, my friend, the recruiting train continues to roll. (laughs) Top 100 cornerback Terrence Brooks has committed to the Buckeyes. Four-star 2022 cornerback out of Texas. It's not a surprise anymore. And I know, look, for right now, the secondary is going to be big. And moving forward, the secondary obviously is going to be a focus just coming off the sting that we felt in that national championship game. But obviously a very talented guy here, Jay Lou and Kerry Combs, Ryan Day, everybody on that staff, especially on the defensive side of that ball, has done another job of bringing in another top 100 recruit, four- and five-star guy in the class of 2022. These classes over the last couple of years have just been ridiculous. You combine with what Urban's did, and you're combining now, and you're looking at now what Ryan Day and his staff have done, and it's been nothing short of spectacular. It is. Uh, third guy from Texas now to commit. Uh, obviously, Quinn Ewers and also five-star wide receiver Caleb Burton uh, hailing from the Lone Star State. Uh, seventh top 75 uh, pledge in 2022. And ironically, he was not considered a Buckeyes lean from what it sounds like. Uh, it looked like Alabama was the, the favorites. Yeah. Uh, and, and then coming off an official visit, uh, he went on officials to Texas, Florida, and Oregon in June. Uh, back in April, his top five featured Bama, A&M, Oregon, Texas, and Florida. So Ohio State nowhere yeah. in his top five in April. Man, uh, how things have changed. Well done yet again uh, by uh, by uh, Kerry Coombs and, and uh, the recruiting 
uh, group there. And, yeah, man, uh, they just keep piling them up, baby. Keep stacking it. No Let's doubt. Go. And how about this little emotional tie as well? You mentioned Texas A&M. His pops played at Texas A&M, and he's in their Hall of Fame. So you right. know pops was saying, hey, man, you got to think about these Aggies. Same high school as Rocket Watts, though, so maybe that was a little of a tie. There you go. Good okay, nugget. There you Good go. nugget out of CB right there. So another four-star guy coming in and joining the Ohio State program. Wanted to mention this. Coming down today involving the basketball program, uh, former Ohio State center Ibrahima Diallo is transferring to San Jose State. It looks like Jeff Goodman had this on Twitter. And look, I, I can't sit here and say I know too much about his game, J. Lou. We really didn't see anything uh, from him during his time here at Ohio State. Uh, and now when he's looking at the depth chart and what they've been able to do with, obviously, Kyle Young coming back, EJ, you got Bronk, you got Zed Key, those minutes for bigs are going to be you know few and far between because those guys are obviously going to be out there a ton. We wish him well. He's going out to the left coast. He's going to be linking up, it looks like, with a former Big Ten head coach. Is he not, J. Lou? I think so. I think he's got right. 10 miles out there from Nebraska. That's right. So, yep. Yeah, he's going out there uh, to do his thing for them. PFF, did you see this? They rolled out their All-American preseason team for college football. First team, no surprise. You got some Buckeyes sprinkled in here. I'll run through the list for you, J. Lou. Chris Olave, Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson, Thayer Munford on the defensive side of the ball. You got Haskell Garrett. I don't think anybody's going to be surprised when we turn on the TVs and those guys are doing damage, and especially the first two names I mentioned with Wilson and Olave. Yeah, and again, you got uh, different parts of the offense and defense there. Uh, it is a widespread how well uh, this Ohio State group uh, is not only coached, but also the talent and continues. To, it just continues to reciprocate uh, off of guys that. If they didn't get time early, they found a way to to be able to sharpen their skills. And when the time came for them to jump in, they did. Uh, we know with the COVID issues last year where guys had to step up, they were able to do that. So no surprise the names that you mentioned there. And again, going to be great to see them win in the trenches a lot of weeks especially with those groups. want to send out a congratulation to Tatum Skaggs from Ohio State getting drafted in the NWHL draft of 2021. How about this, J. Lou? Round one, fourth overall pick. The Toronto Six selected Tatum Skaggs. Tatum Skaggs? There you go. Amazing name, by the way. That's Beautiful. A, a great name. So congratulations to her going on and living her dream uh, in the NWHL. Yeah, NWHL draft this year moving forward. We'll be looking forward to keeping up with her career. That is today's Buckeye Bulletin. Deep dive for you at the top of the hour. One Bengals head coach hyping up a guy that you should get excited to see. We'll lock in on that and some second-year players around the league after an update from our guy Eric Reeser. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF slow price lock with U-Drive. All right, welcome back in. Happy Friday. Matty Ice, Jensen Lewis filling in for our guy AR today. J. Lou, I know you're wrapped up in everything baseball right now. And we'll dive into everything baseball at the bottom of the hour when we do chin music with you. But, like, what's entertaining you, man, when you're not doing radio, you're not doing TV? (laughs) Are are you watching any series right now? Like, what are you getting into right now, man? You're going to laugh. I am locked in 
to Euro 2020. Okay. I am so locked into this soccer tournament. It's it's a little crazy. Well, you <laughs> like, got you got a double fist pump from CB in there, so he's with yeah. you on this. I mean, I got in my living room, you know, doing the show right now. I've got uh, the Swiss and Spain, you know, an extra time right now. Uh, they're all, one. It's a level at one, as the uh, commentators would say, level at one. And I, it would it would please me immensely to see the Swiss upset the Spain. Uh, uh, the Spaniards in advance, and then uh, in the uh, three uh, three o'clock tilt, uh, I do like Italy to beat Belgium. Uh, I know it's a very public play there, but uh, I, uh, John Morosi, great friend of the program, a uh, good friend of ours uh, on Indians Live, uh, native Italian, so uh, backing him uh, for uh, uh, them to advance on. And then I think uh, I, I liked England to win it once they qualified. Uh, for the uh, the knockout round, I think they go on to win this. But uh, yeah, dude, that's what I've been watching. I actually, you'll appreciate this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a week or two ago, uh, I had a friend over, just did a little cookout, um, and she was like, "Hey, do you do you like Entourage?" And I said, "I mean, what warm blooded <laughs> male does not?" I mean, this is this is a rhetorical question, is it not? And she goes, "I have been dying to watch." Some entourage oh, episodes man. for the longest time, and I said, "Well, have yourself a seat. Let me let me pour you a beverage." Yeah. And and would you like to start at the beginning? Do you have a specific season you like? And she goes, "Yeah, just start it from the beginning." Yeah. We sat there and watched like five, six episodes, and That's she was beautiful. locked in. That's it was beautiful. great. It was That's fantastic. beautiful. That's all you can ask for because the only male that I know that does not appreciate entourage is one Bo Bishop. For whatever reason, he has never connected with Entourage. You can talk to him about it. His reasonings to me, I believe he just doesn't feel like it's real enough, if I'm recalling correctly. But talk to Bo Bishop about this because he is the only guy that I have ever stumbled across in my life that has an issue with Entourage because to me... That is the dream for all of us. It's the dream for all of us. You got your crew. One of your guys makes it. He becomes a rock star in Hollywood. And then everybody else kind of tags along. Then they find their own way. And then they have their own ventures, as we saw throughout the show. But to me, J. Lou, it was a 10 out of a 10 show. I don't know what what Bo's beef is with it. I'll, I'll never understand it. Uh, this is a, uh, it's a public service announcement uh, to Bo Bishop. Uh, I, I will lead a horse to water because I know his water is bourbon. And uh, uh, it's uh, Casa de Jelu. Yes. Uh, I got I got a, a, enough of a selection that I, I feel like I can entice him yeah, no doubt. To, uh, to have a seat, yep. kick back. Uh, if he likes a cube in it or if he likes it neat, I don't care. Plenty of selection here to get him going, mm-hmm. and I, I think I can rope him in. CB, what's been uh, intriguing you about this kind of soccer situation? Man, Jelu's all over. I got to be honest, guys. I have not spent much time at all watching this this year i know it's a big deal but what's been jumping out to you man really it's just the uh, the inaccuracies i was just you know we talk about replaying all these different sports and yeah. whatnot and just VAR, the var is terrible var is awful and Jay Lou, i know you've been watching this game how they didn't at least do something about this red card that was the in red this game card's going terrible. on it's just it was a terrible call it's getting out of control how they're assigning cards and what's yeah. determined to be a red card it's okay. just yeah. i think that's really getting the people talking I, I'll tell you, Matty, you brought up the word dream. Yeah. Uh, I want to underline that because I want at some point a crossover where we can get the guys that do Premier League commentating or, or doing the Euro commentating, uh, uh, the British uh, guys that I want them to commentate a baseball game with their vocabulary. Oh, I love that. 
I mean, it is like it is that. just music to the ears to hear them describe <laughs> the action, the subplots, yeah. the fans. Oh man, I I have thoroughly enjoyed. I've been trying to work in some of their vocabulary for pre okay. and post. Yeah. So if you if you're if you're watching that on Valley Sports Great Lakes, you will uh, you might hear a little ode to a Euro 2020 broadcasters out there. For I will sure. be looking to that absolutely <laughs> real quick before we dive into our deep dive uh, topic here. I haven't been giving Loki enough attention. I I, oh. I heard it's been buzzing out there. I believe really? Ep- episode four. Just dropped this week. I enjoyed the first episode, but for some reason, I turned on the second one and nothing has clicked yet. And I know this happened in WandaVision and some people thought it started off slow, but I did hear some good things about the fourth episode and it's on and popping right now. So I love Loki as a character, as a villain. I think he's phenomenal in that universe and his his ability is unreal. Like I wish I could steal that and be the god of mischief just like him. But it, does that intrigue you at all? That kind of world, the Loki stuff. You ain't on any, any of that. Yeah, I okay. can definitely get in it. Yeah, okay. I'm, a, I'm a I'm a Marvel guy. Right. Anything that's uh, involved there. Yeah, we're same page for sure. No doubt. Let's get to our deep dive topic and kind of lock in. Maybe on some second year guys in the league that we're looking forward to watching. One of those guys in our own state is going to be T Higgins for a lot of people and his offensive coordinator Brian Callahan is agreeing with a ton of people and I believe you and I on the potential of one T Higgins saying quote he is going to be a problem for defenses he's throwing out that he's more explosive this year I was really impressed a season ago. I really was. You still had A.J. Green hanging around. I think we knew what Tyler Boyd was going to be as a consistent option for them. But what T. Higgins was going to be coming out of his college career, I think there were some questions leading into the draft. The hype had kind of died down just a little bit for T. Higgins coming out of Clemson. But for everything that we saw from 85 a year ago with Joe Burrow and with that offensive line, he was really, really productive. But now, my my only question is when then when I look at the trio of Bengal wide receivers is which guy becomes Michael Gallup and what I mean by that is before CeeDee Lamb was selected to the Dallas Cowboys in 2020 in the year before in 2019 Michael Gallup was an 11 heart 1100 yard wide receiver and then you get CeeDee Lamb coming in and that drops to 843 yards Obviously not a terrible season, but if you're Michael Gallup, you're coming into the 2020 season or at the end, at least of that 2019 season saying, okay, I know I can ball out in this league. Heck, I might even be a number one, number one wide receiver in this league one day, but then they draft CD Lamb and there was food that was taken off his plate just a little bit. Now, I don't know if that's going to be Boyd. I don't know if that's going to be Higgins, but somebody, one of those two guys, are not going to eat the way they ate last year because Jamar Chase is, to me, going to be the focus in that wide receiver room. Not a huge issue at all, but I think somebody's going to have to sacrifice just a little bit, J. Lou, down in Cincinnati as far as their numbers go. Yeah, you can even add Auden Tate, right, as the number four receiver, yeah, right. I think, uh, just if you wanted to spread it out. And, and I would assume to get one-on-one opportunities for both Chase and Higgins that that is going to be a package uh, that they install for sure. Uh, even even if you wanted to go five wide, you, you put Mixon out there as well and go an empty backfield. Uh, I think that presents some some intriguing matchup possibilities. And and this may be a year two where, as we kind of alluded to, you know, um, in the previous hour, 
if 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 the Bengals have a league average, did you say league average offensive line? Just average. Offense, just okay. average. Yeah. All right. So if you got an average offensive line, I think, and let's let's we'll go both sides of this. Let's say that they don't have they don't have a terrible line, but they don't have an average line. So they're right in the middle, below average line. My anticipation is they're going to get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands, not necessarily bubble screens or anything, but you're going to see some slants. You're going to see yeah. some things to get it yep. to playmakers so that there's no way right. you're going to be able to get to Burrow. Yeah. I think they'll adjust as they go. As I said, too, that you won't know what this line is like until you're about six, maybe seven weeks in because I think you really have to understand – uh, how the offensive weapons can coexist and where Burrow is in his own rehabilitation getting back into game action. We've talked about this all the time. Game speed you know, is completely different than you know going through preseason, going through 7-on-7, 11-on-11. So I think that's the intriguing part about this offense is that you've got the weapons. Mm-hmm. You've got them all there. Yeah. Now it's a matter of how do you deploy it and how are you going to be able to scheme because you got to wait and see what your offensive line is like to know how much time Joe Burrow is going to have. And if that offensive line isn't great, like kind of what you're touching on there, and you mentioned those quick trigger routes and all of that stuff, to me that was a ton of what we saw with Tom Brady throughout his career, right? Death by a thousand cuts, the Edelmans of the world, the James Whites of the world, these guys coming out of the backfield and slot receivers that Julian Edelman was never a take-the-top-off-the-defense type of guy. But you look at what how the Patriots did it, man. They had those tight ends in the middle of the field, and they had slot Amendola. I mean, all the names that we recognize, to me, that brought a ton of success to the Patriots were all smaller guys, slot receivers. And you can never hit Tom Brady because he's getting the ball out so fast so kind of outside of that Randy Moss year where they were going crazy that was how they operated so I like how you brought that up because if they get into training camp here in a few weeks and they're looking around and saying "Eh, our offensive line isn't bringing us that much confidence there has to be that layer within the offense to where we got to get the ball to our playmakers really fast because we cannot afford anything of what we saw last year when it comes to Joe Burrow and him getting hit the way he did so now J. Lou when you look at this 2020 draft from a year ago and guys that we're either excited to see or guys that we're looking at and saying, Hey, it's time to go. I'm going to go with the ladder right there. And the guy that I'm looking at is Tua because there's a lot of noise around Tua right now. And he's got to hit the gas pedal and really kick it into gear. And the reason why I think the pressure is going to be on Tua at a very high clip this upcoming season is because of the draft capital that Miami has in the upcoming draft, talking about next year and the year beyond that and what they can do and what they can package to potentially move around and maybe get their quarterback of the future if they indeed find out this upcoming year that Tua ain't that guy. Like if he's not built like that, then they got to find a way to go a different route because that's a ten and six football team from a season ago. They got him a new weapon in Jalen Waddle this off season, who I think is going to be an absolute monster and was kind of forgotten about about a little bit because Devontae was so spectacular, but Jalen Waddle was handling his business before he went down a year ago. To me, man, there is a ton of pressure on Tua right now because if he doesn't get this thing done this season at a high clip then I don't know what the rest of his career is going to look like because we've seen quarterbacks here over the last couple seasons get drafted, and if it doesn't happen fast and a team has another option to go to, they're going to get you out of there. Yeah, so Jacoby Brissett going to be behind him, right? And and I think when you're looking at 
what their their idea of of competing is. I, I love their. I, I love them to make the playoffs. Uh, I think yeah. he'll put it together. You can almost look at that wide receiving core in a similar fashion as you could with the Bengals, right? Because Will Fuller's in there as, mm-hmm. as a very sturdy, uh, very great veteran wide receiver opposite of Devontae Parker. Waddle can go inside or outside. you got Lynn, ba- uh, Lynn Bowden over there as well that can go back and forth. Uh, I think there's options there for Miami's offense in a similar fashion of what do we say about Joe Burrow? You want to get the ball to your playmakers fast. Mm-hmm. Let them do the work, and that might be the idea – Again, thinking within this division, right? Buffalo's going to try and keep everybody contained. They're going to try and get downhill with that front seven. Their, their secondary is excellent. Uh, we, we are going to have to wait and see what New England piecing together their new group. And, and what they've got, the Jets, you know, Robert Sala, defensive guru, let's see what he deploys out there, but still a very big unknown, right? So it could be there for the taking because outside of the big four, we talk about it all the time with the Chiefs, the Browns, the Bills, and the Ravens, it's open season for those last two playoff spots. It really is. Yeah, I agree. No, I absolutely agree with that. I'll hit you with one more name. Uh, as far as guys that were drafted a year ago, that I really think if he takes another step can make that team very scary. I'm going to hit you with Brandon Ayuk for the San Francisco 49ers. First round pick a year ago, 25th overall, nicked up last season, uh, only played in 12 games, started in 11 of them, but there were signs. And we know what San Francisco wants to do. They want to come into your building and they want to beat you down with that running game that they have. And we'll see if former Buckeye Trey Sermon can make an impact. But this is a very talented guy. And you combine him with Debo Samuel and obviously the number one threat on that offense is George Kittle at the tight end position. If he turns himself into, oh yeah, the 49ers not only have arguably the best tight end in the league and arguably the best running back in the league, but a legitimate number one wide receiver, I think that makes them really scary because last year they just weren't in the picture because of just all the injuries to all of their key guys for extended periods of time. So now to me, man, if they get that element to their offense to where they can have a balancing act there and you really don't know which way they're going to go on any given down, I think that could be such a huge development for the Niners this upcoming year. Oh, by the way, Mohamed Sanu, grizzled veteran. Uh, you got an option there in the slot if you really needed to. But yeah, it's it's going to be a matter of uh, can. Here we go again with a quarterback. What is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be? What can he give you? Uh, do we see Trey Lance or Josh Rosen at any point? Uh, in the first six weeks, it might have to be due to injury, and that would mean that the Niners are off and rolling. But, Matty, they play in the toughest division in football. No question. I don't think there's going to be any no argument question. there. So you're, you are you are going to be beaten down yes. just in divisional opponents, let alone what they got to face in their non-conference. So that that's a fascinating group. A lot of people very high on them. Uh, I count me as one of them. I remember going back and seeing them right around what 13 to 1. I popped them uh during March Madness uh at that and I was like you give me double digits <laughs> yeah. on the Niners cuz everyone is so enamored still with the Rams and obviously you can understand with the Bucks to try and repeat. We know that's so difficult to do in the NFL. But the Niners if they put it together. Yeah. And that will be the class of it. I also took a little pizza money on the Cardinals at 50 to 1. I'm not it mad just, at that either. You know what I mean? I'm just not mad at it. You're going to have, you know, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. You're going to have 
whatever and there may be four teams that come out for the playoffs. I think you're I think you can make a solid bet that three of the four could come out and and you wouldn't bat an eye at that. But but when they're done with the conference schedule or when they're done with their division schedule, all four of those teams are going to be lethal opponents to yeah, anybody else. I completely agree and I think this is one of those divisions, Jay Lou, to where when we look at their records at the end of the year, it may not be true to how good they are as a football Correct. team because I think these teams are going to beat up on each other and I think any given week, anybody can beat anybody in the NFC West. Everybody feels good about their franchise quarterback situation. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe three out of the four teams yeah, feel three. really good. <laughs> about their franchise quarterback situation. But if Trey Lance is a hit, then that is going to put them right in that conversation. But I think with whether it's Jimmy G or Trey Lance, they've got that running game and their defense, I think is going to be lights out with Nick Bosa wrecking the pocket on third down and hopefully in the running game as well. So yeah, the NFC West is going to be fun for sure. Speaking of fun, we'll have some fun with our guy CB after the break. Tell the truth next. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. If you're looking for the radio home of the crew, you've come to the right place. Because if we weren't, this promo would be very stupid. Proud to be your crew station, the fan. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB, let's get it going. All right, no trivia for you today, but I have a crazy stat. So the Vladdy father-son combo through 258 (laughs) games, both of them had 50 home runs apiece. I, I, I couldn't believe it when I first read it from the MLB Stats Twitter account. But I wow. want to ask you, do you believe that Junior will pass Senior in home runs during his career? Uh, in our in our day and age of launch angle and, and how the game is played, uh, I would, I'd be hard-pressed to, to think he wouldn't. If he stays healthy, oh God, if they're going to keep playing their home games at Dunedin, <laughs> right. I mean, they're, go- they're in Buffalo now, but... Man, alive. What a launching pad at both places. Again, I played in Buffalo and AAA coming up for the Indians, so I know very well firsthand. Uh, short porches to left field and right field there, and uh, that's as scary a lineup. I mean, we're playing Houston this weekend. The Indians are. Uh, that's the top two lineups in the American League, Houston and, and Toronto. Uh, they're incredible to watch. It's like the all-Suns team, too, the Blue Jays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bichette and Biggio and Guerrero Jr. No, I mean, he's been a freak show this year, J. Lou. I mean, 336, 26, and 66 already? I mean, my goodness. And the thing that I love about this is that he's paying off on the hype. And I know there's so much pressure that was put on his shoulders with – the prospect that he was and who his pops was and to see him have this moment i know it was a big deal right coming in this season really getting himself in shape and all that but i'll roll with you on the question man i think we will see that the dude's got tremendous pop in his bat it's been so much fun to watch him and that my boy is a damn truth all right so the olympics are getting closer and closer to so i want to ask you if you had the opportunity to try out an olympic sport that's pretty unique to the olympics what would you like to try oh try out boy I would look, man. I've always wanted to be a hooper, J. Lou. My height took me out of that years ago. <laughs> I always wanted to drop buckets. I think it would be so much fun to be in the Olympics, obviously playing against other countries. But with Team USA basketball, the dominant force that that's been for such a long time. If you're telling me I had the skill set uh, to be a part of something like that and that fraternity when it comes to basketball, that's exactly where I would go. Um, I, I think I've told you the Michael Phelps story, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you I had my entourage. If you want. <laughs> Speaking of entourage, I had my entourage moment back in 08 and uh, celebrated New Year's with him out in Vegas after he went 8 for 8 on the gold medal. Oh, so uh, I got I, 
I, I understood firsthand uh, at that point for about two or three days what it was like to be uh, the man, like the yeah, man. The so that was uh, that one I'll never forget. Uh, a sport I wanted to try, Winter Olympics, I've always wanted to do curling. Yeah, uh, You could find me in spring training uh, during the Olympic years for the Winter Games uh, glued to curling. I know it's stupid, no, but it's, not. It's, it's it's adult shuffle puck. It's real life shuffle puck. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, as far as the Summer Olympics go, yeah. You know, if I if I could have had an opportunity to make the U.S. team uh, for baseball, that would have been amazing to wear the stars and stripes. Uh, no greater honor uh, than than to be able to wear your flag uh, and play for your country. Um, if I was to pick one, what about table tennis? That's elite tennis. stuff right there. Because you watch some of these. You gotta be. You yeah. gotta be amazing. <laughs> I mean, I would be bounced in the first round, no yeah. question. About it. But I would love to just see the prowess up front of some of these guys that do it. Jay Lou, when you were in the league, was the World Baseball Classic a thing? Was that oh, yeah. around? Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. It was just starting to come to prominence, man. Uh, because you had to make the call. You know, in off season, and once the season was over, it's like, all right, you got to basically restart training in four weeks. Yeah. If you're going to go out and play in February and March, because it always happened during spring training. Just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. Put on the slide, your dad choose whatever you prefer, because it is one of the biggest cookout weekends of the year with Fourth of July weekend coming up. I love pretty much any type of meat you can put on the grill, Mm. but what is your favorite cookout food? I'm I'm a basic dude, Jay Lou. Like, just give me give me a dog, but it's got to be really well done. Like, it's got to be charred. When it comes to a hot dog, straight up, just give me some chopped white onions. Give me a little yellow mustard. If you got some other mustard there, I can rock out with that as well. But when I think of cookout food, my mind always goes there first. Just give me a nice crispy hot dog, and I'm in. Yeah, last year, uh, pandemic-wise, uh, was the first time I had been able to be home uh, with my parents for uh, July 4th. And, God, what seems like since high school, because obviously, you know, with the regular season, we, we're, we're doing the games. So I got to be home. It was great to be in my parents' pool and uh, grilling out with them as well. So uh, I'm, I'm with you. There's nothing more American than a, than a great burger. Yep. Uh, obviously, you got to make some home, uh, the, some steak cut fries, mm. uh, deep fry that. I mean, a- anything and everything that screams American, get it out there. Some great coleslaw, yep. a little fruit salad. Yep. Uh, I mean, you know, there, there ain't nothing wrong. I saw anything ice cold to drink, adult beverage or not. I mean, yeah. there, that is that is the epitome of red, white, and blue, and, and uh, nothing better. And real quick, J. Lou, like for some reason on holidays like this, like. I want to pull my drink out of a cooler on that day. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like I want to take not out the fridge that day. Like yeah. I want to re- don't serve me. Yeah, let I me wanna, do it. Let me go in the cooler, <laughs> get get the fingertips frozen, and find what I need. That's what I like to do. That's really well turned out right now. Today is true. And our final one is a: Would you rather? Would you rather never get cold ever again, or never be stuck in traffic ever again? Wow. I'd never get a cold ever again. That's where you're leaning. Yeah. One of my biggest beefs in life. Is traffic. It's sitting in traffic. So if you're telling me that I can completely eliminate that for the rest of my life, I'm in. I can deal with some cold. We deal with it. J. Lou, you deal with it more than we do down here because of the water up there in Cleveland. But my goodness, you want to get your boy in a bad mood, plop us in traffic somewhere and we ain't going anywhere. Give me that. Let's tell the truth for this week. When we come back, J. Lou's been here already. 
We'll do Let's an do extended it. version of Chin Music, Indians, Reds, a lot of stuff going on around the sport. We'll chop it up about America's pastime next. Rothman and Nice, right here on The Fan. Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State Athletics. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Proud the plate at your own risk. It's time for some Chin Music with former big leaguer and president of the Baldy's Beautiful Fan Club, Jensen. Lewis. Welcome back in. Matty Ice, Jensen Lewis, been hanging out with us all day, but it's Friday, so we still got to do 10 music, get our thunder on. J. Lou, Houston Astros, up in your neck of the woods right now. Last night, they fall 7 to 2. To the Astros, which, by the way, how about Houston, right? Like, I know everybody's been all over them Yep, this offseason with everything that they did, you know, a couple they of years ago. They were at the ago. park last night, too. <laughs> <laughs> and look, that's probably going to be a thing. I watched a game a few weeks ago. Josh Reddick was somewhere, and they were giving it to him. So all of these guys that were part of it are going to have to deal with it, and that's just what, you know, they got to they they gotta lay in the bed, right? They, they absolutely did all that nonsense. Now they got to deal with the consequences that come along with it. But they're so talented. They got stars everywhere, man. They really do. I want to go to the fifth inning with you, J. Lou, where Altuve hits that granny. Because to me, like what I saw was a missed spot, right? Like Mejia, where Hedges is lined up, it looked like he wanted that breaking ball outside and he missed his location. And you can't have that, right, when you're going up against a guy like Altuve. Uh, that whole inning uh, should never have transpired that way because if you go back to the to the first hitter uh, in Miles Straw, he hits kind of a lazy fly ball uh, to short right center field, and Cesar Hernandez and Harold Ramirez did not communicate. I mean, uh, Harold should have come in and made that catch easily. Uh, he does not. Uh, and then uh, takes his sweet time getting the ball into second base. Miles Straw is thinking two out of the box the whole way. Yep. And, and ends up taking it. Then you've got a 231 hitter in Jason Castro who you walk to face a sub 200 hitter in Robel Garcia who puts down a bunt and you had perfect opportunity right there to get the guy at third base, but Mejia doesn't do his footwork correctly. Opens up to the right instead of being able to turn with the feet and go from his left. They would have had him if he completes that play. You work on it every day in spring training. So I think the inning sped up on him big time. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, he leaves uh, a slider uh, out over the big part of the plate, and that's what Jose Altuve is going to do. He's just looking to to grip and rip in that situation, and then that's all she wrote. So uh, no surprise, I had said on the pregame show last night, I said in the series, the team that gets to five runs first will win every game. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Jose uh, Jose and uh, and the Astros get to five in the fifth inning, and then then that was basically it. That was it. That absolutely uh, was it. I couldn't wait to ask you this week about Bobby Bradley and what you've seen from him, you know, recently here because he's had some pop in the bat there. And I know this is a guy that got called up, obviously, out there at first base. They needed that, especially with Fran Mill down. You lose some thump there in that lineup. Have you been encouraged by what you've seen from Bobby Bradley so far? 100%. Okay. Uh, got his first multi-homer game. Uh, he's got eight bombs on the year. 
Uh, basically, in a week of him being up, he outperformed what Jake Bowers and Yu Chang did in a platoon role at first base <laughs> for the first two months. I mean, yeah. That's all you need to know. Yep. So he has really helped solidify the middle with Eddie Rosario. Uh, obviously, what Jay Ram's been doing in the three-hole, but man alive, is going to be great to get Frommel back. All indications are he will be activated tomorrow okay. for tomorrow night's game. So, uh, barring anything unforeseen this afternoon, uh, obviously, he played yesterday, a uh, scheduled day off for him today to get rested up, and he should be DHing tomorrow. So, uh, that's great news because this has been the real story of the Indians this year is they have overcome Injury after injury to critical, critical pieces of their roster. So credit to them. And Bobby Bradley, by that accord, has gotten the opportunity because Chang and Bowers couldn't produce, and he's been doing that. So he's been a real nice boost, especially now with Josh Naylor done for the year. That's going to be a critical piece now moving forward. And now you look around the division. Obviously, the Twins this year have been a major disappointment. Maybe they're sellers, J. Lou. Maybe they move a couple pieces. I don't know. Kansas City, they turned out to be not at all what they showed early on in the season. So I think this has come back to what a lot of people thought it would be at the beginning of this season. The White Sox and Cleveland there kind of duking this thing out uh, for supremacy there in the AL Central. Five games back at the moment when we get to trade deadline area to that window of time, should Cleveland fans be expecting any type of movement movement from their ball club? I think if they can remain within four games of a playoff spot, right now they're three and a half out of the wild card and, and they're chasing down the likes of Tampa and Oakland. Uh, I mean, that, that in of itself uh, is going to be a, a real, real tough task. So for them to be able to get there, that, that would be critical uh, a critical juncture. I don't know if the division is going to be something that they can uh, be able to hold on to for much longer, knowing the gamut that they're going to have to go through. So if you want to play the schedule game, uh, the baseball side of it, yeah, you know, you've got Houston for three more. You've got, uh, you've got let's see, uh, Tampa for three, then Kansas City for four to finish uh, the first half. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to go on the road, three in Oakland, three in Houston. Yep. And, and you're going to have Tampa coming back at home. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to know yeah. in three weeks. Yeah. We're going to know in three weeks. And AR and I were looking at, you know, when Bieber went down with his injury right after that Seattle start there, the schedule after that actually got better for you guys. And it, it worked out great, right? You sweep yeah. Baltimore, and then you got Pittsburgh and the Cubbies for two and the Twinkies, who have been a disappointment this year. But I know at the time we're starting to play some decent ball, at least in that little pocket of time. And then Detroit, and it's just like, it, it feels to me, J. Lou, that they left a little meat on the bone there. Just a little meat left on the bone there because if you could maybe racked up a few more dubs there with all the injuries that have been out there for Cleveland, then maybe you're looking at a different, you're obviously looking at a different situation in the standings. I don't think they're in a bad spot at all, but because of what you just mentioned there about the upcoming schedule, maybe they miss a little bit of an opportunity there with the opponents that they just got done dealing with. Yep, I agree. Uh, and, and again, I think we don't really understand what the Indians are at the trade deadline until yeah. you have an opportunity to know uh, what, what Savali and Beaver's uh, timetables are. We expect Plesak probably in the next week, maybe okay. two. Okay. So that, that's good news, but you, I, I don't think they really will know full-hearted if they are going to be buyers. I, I doubt they're sellers. I, I really do. I just don't see any pieces they could offload that make sense for them for the near term or the long term. Um, I, I do. I do feel that 
Uh, if they go try and make a trade, O'Brien Reynolds for the, the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Pirates was just mentioned today. Vandy boy, right? Vandy boy. Yeah. You you do not have to convince me to get a Vandy boy in the fold here. <laughs> so I think they got to wait another two weeks until they really understand the timetable of their starting rotation. Sliding down to Cincinnati, they finally, finally, J. Lou, get a win against the Padres. <laughs> they go out to the left coast. Atmosphere was incredible out there with them getting fans back. They pull out the brooms on the Reds there. First couple games down at Cincinnati, 5-4 Padres. Padres, 7-5 Padres. Then yesterday, the rookie Tyler Stevenson walks it off with a single. So the way I felt, J. Lou, coming into a series like this is, look, I think we're hoping that when we get to the latter portion of the season, we can be having real conversations about the Reds being in that wild card conversation. Don't think they're going to get the Brewers. The Brewers are ridiculously hot right now with what they have going on. But these are measuring stick series. And I you look at the win and the loss record against the Padres, it ain't great at all. But the way that they competed in those games with some injuries to even their guys, I think is encouraging. And I think it comes back to what the Reds can roll out on a nightly basis. And it's an offense that has a chance to make things difficult for you every night. And the guys that are the highlighted guys, and rightfully so, with what they got rewarded with yesterday, and Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker uh, being named all-star starters, and they'll sandwich Ronald Acuna Jr. in the outfield out there in Colorado here in a little bit. Like, that's it. And what type of conversation are we having, J. Lou, when we get to the trade deadline with the Reds and where they go with it? Because, man, like, I love the offense. I do. The arms are a question mark, and I think maybe they can go find a a way there to shore up that pin maybe or whatever they want to do. But this offense can compete. We know that. They are in a real tough spot because uh, Milwaukee has now won nine in a row. They have run away uh, from Chicago and the Reds in the Central. So entering play today, Reds eight back of Milwaukee in the division. And the problem is they're chasing down three teams in the National League West in the wild card mm-hmm. two. Yep. They're seven and a half back there. They still got to overcome the Nationals and the Cubs in their own right in that wild card race. So that's a ton of teams to have to overcome. Now, they they will know as much in the same way that the Indians will know in a couple of weeks what they're doing. Right. Reds are going to know in a couple of weeks who they are. And, real, I, and I think that you just need to know that. Real quick, what do you think happens with the Cubs? They, they sellers or buyers? They got to sell. They okay. got to sell. Wow. Yep. Six in a row they've lost now. Yeah. Uh, writing's on the wall. Yeah. They got to okay. sell. Makes sense. Makes sense. We'll hit you with an NFL two-minute drill next. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. When that alarm clock goes off, morning juice comes on. The perfect way to dominate your day or just lay around the house. Morning juice. Weekdays at 6. The Fan. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. All right, NFL two-minute drill time. We mentioned this earlier in the show. Shefty reporting, J. Lou, that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be our hard knock squad for this year. Third time the Cowboys have done this, 2002, 2008. And CB, if I'm not crazy, I think our own Bobby Carpenter appeared on one of these or a couple of these episodes. I think that happened. Oh, I did not know that. I think that happened. I think this is when Bobby still had the flow, J. Lou. I think that's what that was. We had to pull out some of that stuff. But, yeah, this is going to be absolutely tremendous uh, getting that going uh, for Hard Knocks. And the dream to me, the dream to me is a couple things when it comes to the NFL. One, I need unedited 
version of the NFL, meaning I want to hear everything these dudes are saying on the field. I want to hear it. I'll sign up, but whatever I need to sign to hear that. I know the NFL will never do it. That would be a dream. But two, can we get hard knocks for every team? Can we get hard knocks for every single team around the league? Just think about how crazy that would be, how exciting that would be for us as fans. If we could tap in to every single team there at the latter portion of training camp and obviously through the preseason and see how things are going, I think it would be tremendous. But I can't. beggars can't be choosers. I will take the Cowboys and be just fine. As someone uh, who has been in TV now for nine years, Matty, you know how expensive that would be? <laughs> You know the manpower I'm that would. Sp- I'm uh, spending everybody else's money. I uh, yeah, was just gonna say. <laughs> I I'm okay. I, I tell you what was in, intriguing. I know they had to do this because it was the easiest due to COVID when you had both LA teams. Yeah, uh, doing that 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 was cool to get get an NFC and an AFC side. I'd be up for uh, having an AFC and an NFC team each year. Cool. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. If I can meet you in the middle on that. A lot cheaper I think from, than my plan. <laughs> well, no. I mean, from a TV production standpoint, because of, of how good yeah. it, it, the, the sheer manpower and the editing time and, oh, and yeah. how much that takes to make Hard Knocks what it is, is just fabulous in of itself. But it's it, 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 it literally takes a village. So you, if you could do that for both leagues, yeah. or for both conferences, I, I think you could get people to sign on. I thought they did a great job a couple years ago now turning it around quickly you remember the antonio brown stuff oh, yeah. with the oh. raiders and how we were hearing about that and all that <laughs> yeah. and then i was like are we going to get to see this stuff are we going to get to see it sure enough we saw ab walking in with the feet and just everything absolutely crazy such a tremendous program year in and year out that being hard knocks have you seen where some of the brownies have been training for the upcoming season my friend i have I mean, how uh, so this is uh, this is a who's who, right? Yes. Uh, Miles Garrett, Malik Jackson, <laughs> Andrew Billings, uh, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, David Njoku, Austin Hooper. Yeah, I mean the whole yeah. team's there. Yep, yep. You know those people. House of Athlete down in Florida was built by Brandon Marshall, Chad Johnson. And some other former players uh, that used to play, obviously, in the league. They've got a very famous podcast out there called I Am Athlete, where they sit down and really have some heart-to-heart talks with former guys and gals from around the league and guys that are even playing right now. It's absolutely tremendous. But this has been a hot gem out there, Jay Lou. Been reading a lot about this lately where guys are really liking what House of Athlete is producing. But I think for us here, I love what I've heard this all season with Baker getting the wide receivers down there to test. Texas to really get things going and now they've even slid over to Florida that chemistry's there they know what they have the ability to do coming into next season they've already checked off a major box last year by going into Heinz Field and getting a playoff win and even going into Arrowhead and making things a little spooky if you were a Chiefs fan as well so I just love the camaraderie the team chemistry seems to be really good and I think for a successful team uh, that's really important Speaking of spending everybody else's money, uh, the Bears can leave Soldier Field, their lease in 2026, for a very paltry $84 million. <laughs> uh, their new stadium is probably going to cost around $2 billion uh, in Arlington Heights, which that's going to be weird not to see Soldier Field. Yeah, I right? completely agree with you. And So I- for the... For the quick uh, grabbing a couple of twenties out of your uh, out of your wallet, Matty Ice for eighty four million, uh, you don't have to play in Soldier Field after twenty twenty six. Goodness, and you know what? I can't <laughs> wait to see Jay Lou is the fan reaction to this. 
I can't wait to see the fan reaction to this from Bears fans. We know a very historical franchise, that being the Bears, especially with the 85 Bears being one of the most recognizable NFL teams of all time. That's going to be different for them uh, moving forward, and I'm sure that's going to be tough for them to handle because some of their fans, I have to imagine, ain't going to be happy about that. But the whole Justin Fields thing for us, man, I can't wait to see what this looks like. It's going to be great. Can't wait to see what it looks like when he gets on the field. That is today's NFL two-minute drill. Where can the folks find you this weekend, my friend? We will be on tonight, 6.30 on Valley Sports Great Lakes. National game tomorrow on FS1, and then back with you at 12.30 on Sunday. Sounds good. J. Lou, my friend, it is always a pleasure. Enjoy the Euro tournament. I just watched those PKs that were just a mess. He was emotional on the other side (laughs) of the glass. Everyone else, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. We will be back on Monday. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan.